Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Ryzen podcast, your number one source for all Ryzen news, reviews, and analysis. Uh, this is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I am joined once again uh, by a special guest. Um, at this point, maybe even a co-host, I don't know, he's been, he's been here uh, for, for tons of episodes already, and, uh, but uh, I'm joined by my friend, uh, Christian Gary. Christian, thank you again for joining. Well, thank you for having me on, Andrew Benjamin. And as a member of Focus Fights, I feel like ever since I've been a part of this show, I feel like you should almost be a member of it. As part, I mean, as far as the podcast goes, since we basically been trying to, well, actually, I've been basically trying to get this out of the way, but. Uh, well, I've been having a lot of trouble doing it, so thank you for, you know, making, I mean, thank you for giving me the chance to actually talk about this upcoming event when I basically tried to bust my ass trying to, uh, what the hell am I saying? Thank you for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> no problem, no problem. Um, no, you know, hey, you know, it's there's tons of voices out there who, who want to talk all mixed martial arts, but... Uh, Definitely, when it comes to knowledge about the little things, you def you definitely have the you have the you have the you can definitely bring the, the knowledge for the little stuff as well as the names as well. So, uh, um, so you know, thank you again for 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 coming out to uh, to do this. Um, it's always appreciated. Always appreciated. Uh, You're welcome, Andrew. And um. So, uh, this podcast, um, is mainly going to be review on the Ryzen 12 show, which just happened this past Sunday at the, uh, Aichi, uh, Prefectural Gymnasium in Nagoya. Um, Mm -hmm. now, I was in Japan when this show was happening live, but I was unable to attend, or even pay attention to what was going on with the show because I was at the G1 Climax Finals at Budokan in Tokyo. And so, um, being that uh, the show was geo-blocked on, fight, on the Fight TV app, um, there was no way that I could watch the show unless I was watching it live on Fuji TV, which was not possible because, again, like I said, I was at the G1 Climax. Uh, so basically, I had to stay off of uh, Twitter for the most part, and not, not basically stay out of the uh, the MMA bubble uh, for a few days until I got back to America. I'm too lazy to get a VPN or do any of that stuff. I'm just it's I don't have you know it's that's that's too much work for me. So it was anyway. It was only a few days anyway. I got back to New York. Uh, Tuesday night at about 1 a.m., because uh, the fight was delayed, it was, uh, it was supposed no, to get there at 11 p.m. It basically took you almost uh, amount of a day just to get back. Exactly, yeah. Uh, but uh, the next day, Wednesday, I just, I ordered it on the, the replay on the uh, Fight TV app and was able to uh, watch the Ryzen 12 show um, uh, to uh, just to... So that we could have this review show. Um, there was no... That also, the reason why there was no predictions. Because, uh, as well... Uh, being that also I was in Japan, there was no... You know, there it was... it was, Unfortunately, being in Japan was, was great. 
vaca- like vacation wise, but also it was it it just made doing the podcast as well difficult. As you know, when we were trying to do the pot the podcast for Rise at Eleven, we had the I was basically talking to you at three a.m. four a.m. uh to do the review of Rise at Eleven. And, um, basically you were doing the podcast while everybody else around you was asleep. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and actually luckily my roommates, had, uh, who I was traveling with had gotten, they were in a different part of Japan. They were in Kyoto. I traveled with three other people. So I had our hostel, our hotel room all to, our, all to myself. So if they, if they hadn't, you know, if they were with me, you know, I probably would have to do it outside or, you know, even, you know, Try to go to one of those internet twenty-four hour internet cafes, uh, uh, in Tokyo, which I would not, I'm not, you know, I would, I would not like. That would have been interesting doing a doing a podcast from from an internet cafe in Tokyo. Um, that would have been that would have been a first uh, for me anyway. Um, but. Um, uh, Rise in Twelve. This was uh, this was almost basically two weeks after Rise in Eleven. Ba- barely even t- uh, was it was it two weeks exactly, Christian? Uh, no, it was exactly two weeks after Rise in Eleven. Um, yeah, which was um, that I, I don't know if uh, besides the ob- the New Year's Eve shows, I, I can't recall ever if R- Rise and having a turnaround. Um. Uh, sh- such a short turnaround for uh, shows back to back, but this was um, uh, like I said, this was from Nagoya, um, and um, gotta tell you, if if I, I don't when Japan was hot, was incredibly, every, almost every day that I was in Japan, it was about late eighties, early nineties Fahrenheit. So and and uh, Joe Farrar and Frank Trigg on commentary, I can't remember who. One of them said that apparently Nagoya was the hottest, uh, was had the hottest temperature in all of Japan. Which, if that's true, that oh god, that you know, I can tell you that that these Japanese. Yeah, I, bet, I bet they're basically waiting for the autumn and winter months. These Japanese, these venues in Japan. And I can tell you this: somebody who went to Budokan and Corken Hall, there's a reason why you always see people uh, in the summer fanning themselves in the audience. It's because there is never any if the the amount of air conditioning is minimal. When wow. it is, it, it's not Budokan. Being that there was about ten thousand people on on the last two days, actually a little bit more than ten thousand, about twelve or thirteen thousand. I could test. I could tell you it was sweltering, being Budokan, and I don't know what Saitama wasn't that bad uh, when I was there. But if Nagoya, if I'm the if I'm to go by anything that the that by how Jap by how Japan uh, runs their venues when it comes to sporting shows, then if then it must have been brutally, just brutal in there. If it really if 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 that venue if that region was really the hottest, um, like the commentator said, um, but um, yeah, uh, we had uh, the show was uh, from uh, Nagoya. Attendance was five thousand five hundred sixty-seven. 
Um, I think this is the first time they've ever used this arena as well. Is that correct, Christian? Yeah, from what I've been hearing, it was the first time they used that venue. Okay, so uh, I know that they use a different venue uh, when they uh, went to Nagoya, um, I believe last year, uh, but I'm not going to compare the two because two different venues, you know, you can't compare the venue of Tokyo Dome against Turk and Hall. It doesn't make any sense. So, um, there was that. Um... What are you thinking of this card overall? Well, let's first talk about uh, what you thought of the card on paper when you first saw it, and then what you thought of the show overall. Well, when I first thought of the card and looking, I mean, looking up and down at it, I originally thought that the card was going to be an utter catastrophe because of mostly the women's bouts. Because you had Angela Magana, who was coming in off of a lengthy losing and embarrassment streak, facing off against Kanako Murata, who's basically one of the top amateur wrestlers in Japan to ever cross over to, to ever cross over to MMA. That and the fact that you had Caitlin Young, who was fighting in her first fight in three and a half years against King Reina Miura, who was basically I mean, who was basically trying to bounce back off of her loss to Cindy Dandois last New Year's Eve. And aside from the fact you had five MM, you had five kickboxing bouts and seven MMA bouts, I thought that things were going to get crazy in one or both of them. But now after looking at this card and basically staying up just to check it out, I felt like there were 12 bad, I mean, there were 12 fights on this card, neither one of them were bad. Yeah, um... And w- Wouldn't you understand me? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what, and, and when the show was over, what were, what were your overall thoughts? Oh, I was through the roof when it came down to these fights as soon as the end of them happened because, like I said, 12 fights, not a single one of them bad, but as we're going to talk about in the, as we're going to talk about as this podcast rolls along, there were eight finishes throughout this fight card. Two in kickboxing, I think about six in MMA. Two in kickboxing, six in MMA out of the seven MMA bouts that were on. So, yeah, it's going to be pretty crazy us talking about how epic this card was, but I know you had some problems when it came down to this card. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, so, when I first saw the card on paper, you know, as I, well, on paper, I actually thought this card looked better than the Horizon 11 card. Um, now, I know that the entire card wasn't released uh, when Horizon 11 um, was happening, uh, and I think even, even the main event was still in question at the time. Uh-huh. Um, but... I thought that I thought that on paper the card looked actually really, 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 really good. Um, you know, you had King Reina, Strashikichi, um, Yachi in a main event, um, uh, and uh, I believe all, I believe Murata was uh, was also announced at the time. So you know, she you know one of that's one that's one of their uh, rising um, um, r- rising regulars. Um, that they have, so I thought actually it looked better than the uh, than the Ryzen Eleven on paper. Um, 
after the show was done, I don't know, maybe this was because Ryzen 11 was, was, was just, it blew away all expectations, um, but I thought that Ryzen 11, um, uh, Ryzen, excuse me, Ryzen 12, Ryzen 12, uh, if I were to give it a thumbs up, th thumbs in the middle, or thumbs down, uh, review, I would say thumbs in the middle, um, I didn't think that all the fights, well, I thought we had some really, really great finishes, um, but then, uh, I thought some of the fights were just, they, they, they didn't, uh, they, they didn't, they just, they disappointed me, they were not the fights that I expected from, um, the competitors, particularly, uh, King Reyna and Yachi, um, and even the yeah, and uh, also won the kickboxing matches that we'll talk about uh, with Kaido, um, who um, just you know made me you know it seemed uh, the fighter the, when when I'm talking about there's a point I mean in those fight in those three fighters' performances they just didn't you know from what they have uh, done previous have shown previously in fights they seemed to they didn't they seemed like different fighters. Um, and not, and, and different and not in a good way. Um, um, it, I'm not, I, this car was not bad, bad at all, you know, it was just, you know, I don't know, maybe my expectations were just way too high after Ryzen 11, especially with that, uh, with the amount of turnaround between two fights. But you basically want to go over the card, I mean, because... I just can't, I mean, I just can't sit around and, what am I trying to say? I don't want to talk about it for much longer. Let's just get right into it. Exactly, exactly. So you want to take us into the first, uh, into the first, uh, match? Oh, yes. Let's go ahead and do that. The first bout was a 117-pound catchweight, strawweight kickboxing bout. Between real Goku, as in Dragon Ball Z Goku, <laughs> Takia Shota versus Shuta Sato. Shota defeated Sato via unanimous decision. All three judges scored the fight towards him. And I think what he said in the post fight speech, and I'm getting to it in a second. Let's see. Oh, actually, no. He didn't say anything in his no. speech. He wasn't even given a microphone. Yeah. He just kept doing the Kamehameha pose. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, but Shota won this fight by virtue of busting up Sato in the second round, letting loose a bloody nose on Sato's end. Yeah. As it was safe to say that Sato wasn't going to come out of that fight unscathed, and he wasn't going to come out on the scorecards unscathed either. Though, um, I th you know, I did have, you know... Some people have, um, you could maybe give the first round to Sato, at most. But definitely rounds two and three, uh, if you're going to judge it by that. Uh, before we actually continue the fight, I just wanted to like to point out one thing, um, overall that I didn't like about the card. There was no tail to tape, uh, side-by-side -side graphics, um, for the, uh, for any of the fights. Um, which, that's something I just, I like to see. I like to see the, uh, side-by-side -side comparisons between the fighters, um, all MMA promotions do that, big and small. So I'm not so sure why they didn't do it for this one. Um, do you have any inkling why they might not have done it for this 
for for us? Uh, to be honest, I think it was because of the fact that it was a small venue, and they wanted to try and you know get the fights. They wanted to basically try and get the fights done as quick as possible without having to be hold up for basically you know trying to wait around just for fight graphics. They just want to basically. Get the two fighters in the ring, get in, get out, and get going, pretty much. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, you know, maybe it's one of those things where they, where they, where they uh, save it for the big shows, the the on-screen graphics, maybe. Um, but um, the other thing I also like, to, I, I do want to say, I, I do, um, I really enjoyed, was the opening VTR for, for the, for the uh, show itself, where they emphasized different fight camps. Uh, of the fighters, you know, there's Team Crazy B, uh, Team uh, Shoot Boxing. You know, I really like that. I really like that, and I wish Ryzen would do that more. Emphasize the f- uh, fight camp versus fight camp, because I believe that's so important. Uh, that uh, those are important stories going to the fights themselves. Um, when uh, when the fighters are from different, uh, well. well most of the time, it is they are from different uh, fight camps anyway. So I just I liked how they said this person's from Crazy B, um, and um, uh, and just like tell like just emphasizing you know the competition between the two. It's, it's like it's like a New Japan thing, you know. It's Chaos versus Bullet Club or Lij versus Suzuki Goon. I like that. I, I, I like that. I don't know what your thoughts are, are on that. That they emphasize the camp the camps in the opening VTR. I basically seen bits and pieces of it because the stream I was watching on was choppy at best. Ah, but that video, I mean, that VTR, that VTR intro was pretty damn cool. I wish that more promotions in general, and I know who the fuck I'm talking about. Let's be real here. I wish more promotions around the fighting world would probably emphasize those. Yeah, I think I think it's very important to emphasize the the the, the fight camps. Um, because you know, I think it just it, it, you know I'm I'm interested to know who fights for which camp, um, and it, it, I think it's I think it's a very interesting thing that a lot of MMA promotions do not focus on, or if they do, they 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 mention it, it's only in passing. So I do give credit to Ryzen for you know for listing all the fight camps um, that the fighters um, fought for at the v- beginning of VTR. Um, so definitely points for that. Uh, going back to the, uh, kickboxing f- fight now, um, though, um, what do you think of, the, of this fight overall, this, this match? Oh, <laughs> I mean, Shota basically says he wants to be strong. I mean, he basically models himself after the Dragon Ball character, Goku. <laughs> he basically feels like he's the human version of that character. He basically wants to be strong like Goku. He basically wants to... What am I trying to say? He basically emphasizes that warrior lifestyle, that warrior motif. And I think he displayed that against Shiuto Sato, even though clearly Sato was a former kickboxing champion in his own right, but still, Shota just basically pummeled him. Well, yeah. Those final two yeah, that's what I basically got was that Shota was clearly the stronger uh, of the two. Um, Sato was definitely faster, I think, but Shota was de- delivering a lot more uh, 
visible damage. And you know, like you said, with the broken nose, not the the, the bloody nose, uh, to Sota, uh, to Sato. Um, so definitely, um, if he if he wants to model himself and being strong, uh, Shota is definitely he's on the right track. Um, I thought this fight was pretty much okay. Um, I didn't wasn't well. I, this I was. Um, I'll, the thing I, I took away from this fight was how many leg kicks they were doing to each other. It was it was like a leg kick spam. Uh, like if, if you ever if you ever play like a UFC game or a WWE game, um, how you just try to spam like like kicks when like you just you don't know what else to do. It was kind of, it was just like it was like watching that, but uh, obviously you know. These two guys didn't get tired at all. Uh, Sato uh, maybe got a little bit tired in the third round, but you know what? These two guys were just were were bringing it um, for uh, for all three rounds, and they weren't breaking a sweat at all. So you know, props to them for that. Um, but over, but you know, the big question is, um, and this is going to be a, a, a common question uh, throughout this episode. Um, do do you think that? That Shota Takia, uh, uh, whoops, I spelled the Shota name wrong. That's, I, I was like, no, that's not his name. I have Shota Takia uh, with, with an E. Yeah. Shota Takia. Uh, do you think he is a viable opponent for tension uh, if he is in this kickboxing tournament in the future? Well, to be honest, I don't know because Shota normally competes at 117 pounds. Yes. And. Tenshin Asakawa is a 125-pounder. I don't think that he'll be wanting to square up against a guy like Nasakawa for safe, I mean, for his own safety. Because I think that if I mean, I think that if Nasakawa and Shota were to fight each other, Shota might get taken out quicker than a, I mean, Shota might get taken out quicker. Ugh. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to think of a damn anime reference. <laughs> but Shota might, Shota would probably get taken out quicker than a Kamehameha wave if he were to ever fight against Tenshin Asakawa. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely feel, <laughs> I feel like, um, I don't know if they're going to have just uh, 125 pounders or 130, what they're going to do with this kickboxing tournament. If it's going to be a catch weight 130 thing, uh, or, you know... I can't. I don't think it's gonna be at bantamweight. Um, if it's gonna be on 125, but you know, I definitely, you know, I'm gonna guess that probably uh, Shota probably walks around probably 130, rough estimate. And then, uh, he probably walks around at 120. Really? Despite how skinny he is. Mm-hmm. Um. I you know I, I feel you know that's the thing is that right now I don't know what the, what weight they're gonna do with this kickboxing tournament at so it's kind of, so I'm looking at all these at the smaller weight classes and uh, of of kickboxing matches that they had and be thinking oh they're gonna use people from this weight division or they're gonna have them move up so right now that's the question I I put down for a few of the kickboxing matches and this is just one that I had but you know you're probably right that you know showed a would definitely be the undersized fighter, which would, you know, uh, uh, which, you know, would obviously not be to his advantage. But mm-hmm. who knows what, you know, who knows what they're going to do with this boxing, to- with this kickboxing tournament um, uh, when that comes around. But, uh, yep, that, that was the, uh, 
That was the first uh, match of the of the night. Uh, you want to take us into the second match? Uh, unless you have anything else to say? Uh, no, I don't have anything else to say about this fight. All I know was that Shota dominated Sato, and that's all there was to it. Now, the second bout going into this rising card was a 154-pound lightweight kickboxing bout between Takahiro Okuyama, who came out to the sweet strands of the Mortal Kombat theme, by the way. Yep, I had that in my notes. That was like the, the, the I had that in big bold letters uh, next to his name. Came out to MK theme. Uh, Okuyo, um, Okuyama uh, did. But yeah, Takahiro Okuyama came. I mean, ta- shit, what am I trying to say? Takahiro Okuyama faced off against Shintaro Masakula, and Masakula knocked Okuyama out after two straight knockdowns, two minutes and 32 seconds of round number two. Mm hmm, mm hmm. Um, one of the things also that. um. That we didn't, I that I that I didn't mention uh, wasn't mentioned in the previous fight uh, that I think is important uh, that I just want to bring up is that is some of these uh, kickboxers. It's amazing just like how, the amount of fight uh, kickboxing fights they have uh, when uh, when compared to their opponents. Like Shotokaya, uh, he had over thirty fights compared to his opponent uh, Siuto Sa- Sato, who had four, who had a total of eight fights. Four and four was his record. And um, uh, Okuyama was te- uh, had a record of ten and three, while Matsukura had a record of twenty and thirteen. Yeah, I'm just it's it's it's, wow. it's amazing just like the amount of and I know that kickboxing is obviously different than MMA when it comes to turnaround and fights, but it's just amazing how some have very little fights and there's others who you know despite being Incredibly young, uh, like well, you know, tension being uh, the obvious example, who have close to like ninety fights on their on their total records. I just, I just find that I find that very fascinating. But uh, yep, um, yeah. The other, well, the big takeaway I, I took the big thing I took away from this match was, do you remember after he got knocked down for the first uh, the first time with the right hook, he got a uh, uh, oh, Matsukura Matsukura got uh, uh, me, Okuyama got a uh, got up. Um, and he wasn't even paying attention. I don't know what the f- was he was he out on Dream Street? Uh, when the ref- oh yeah, he was on Spaghetti Legs, obviously. It was it was like uh, it was it was you know usually the referee's supposed to you know make sure the fighter is uh is is all there you know uh when he's doing the ten count and he responds to the ten count. But even when he responded to the ten count, he was just I don't he wasn't even paying attention and uh yeah um. um Masakura just, 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 like, swarmed him. Yeah, I mean, basically, when it came down to the second round, I already knew that Okuyama wasn't going to win that fight. Mm-hmm. All it took was those two knockdowns and that standing eight, I mean, I think it was a standing six count or a standing eight count, if I'm not mistaken. But all I knew was that Okuyama was going to be out of there by the second round. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And um, this was the first finish of the night, as you said, uh, knockout uh, in the second round. Um, mm-hmm. Now, um, what do you thought? What do you? Th- how do you? How do you think that uh, Matsukura comes out of this fight? Do you? Do you think? Um, do you? I think is this the first time that they've had a, a 
Is this the highest weight class that they've had for a kickboxing match so far? I've, I've, as, as far as kickboxing, I think it's the second. I mean, I think it's one of the highest because I know they had like on a fight card before in Nagoya. I think it was around. I mean, I think it was on that first. Uh, well, actually, the third rising card, which happened in April 2016, and was commentated by Chinese commentators. <laughs> I, I think that. it was a fight between Tetsuya Yamato, who was a champion in Lion Fight, versus Danilo Zanellini, who was a Brazilian kickboxer, and I think fought like 150 some odd pounds. I know it was above 154, but they basically, I mean, basically. This fight between Okuyama and Masakura is probably one of the biggest kickboxing bouts they've had. Um, I don't know if they plan on going into the even bigger weight classes, but, <laughs> you know, if they do end up making something out of this after Masakura defeated Okuyama, I mean, it's a start. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they'll do something with it. Now, the big question is, of course, uh, do you think that do you think that uh, Masakura is ready for attention? Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. No. <laughs> Hell no. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> I, I mean, I understand the Japanese bloggers are on the radar about this, but think about it. Masakura would have to drop 30 fucking pounds just to do that. <laughs> uh, <right. laughs> or any fight at 125 pounds. Uh, they know their way that's happening. But let's just stop talking about it. Let's just go ahead and move on to the next damn fight. Yes. Yes, let's do that. And that next and that next fight was a battle of the singular name fighters. I Yuki, who had an undefeated Yuki who had an undefeated record going into this fight of 16-0-1, defeating Nalia, 8-7-1, via unanimous decision. Now he is now nine. Now he is now eight, eight and one. Ryuki seventeen zero and one. And this fight was at one hundred and thirty pounds or fifty nine kilograms catch weight. What were your thoughts about this fight? And do you think that Ryuki might have a chance if he ends up getting called for this Grand Prix? Um. Well, from this fight. Well, first off, um, I thought I love the contrast between the two fires. Nayoa's uh, hair was blue when he was wearing the colorful shorts while. While Ryuki had the black, had his hair black and black shorts, I, I love I love the contrast between the two fighters, like visually. Um, that was really cool. Uh, but Ryuki, you could definitely tell he was the he was the more experienced fighter of the two. Um, you know, uh, Naoya, uh, Naoya, um, he looked like a good fight. You know, it's interesting how the commentary said that apparently he had no, he wasn't interested in like becoming a kickboxer. He just, it was, this was just, what they said, they said it was a hobby of his, or it was something along, like, this wasn't his main goal. It became a hobby of his until he won a WBC title, and then it became for real. Yeah, well, that'll do it. That'll do it. Um, uh, so that, you know, obvi- you know, I, I don't know what the seven, how this, what the seven losses are, if they're knockouts or their decisions, um, for the Oya. Um, but, uh, Ryuki, um, Ryuki definitely looked like a, a, a world-class kickboxer in, the, in this, in this match. Um. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I do, I also did write down that, um, 
that that you know while he was he looked he was the better of the two. I uh, I saw I saw a guy who was good but not impressive in victory. If that makes any sense. Right, and you mean I mean that in the sense of what, given that he was sixteen and zero, and that coming into he was fighting eight and seven fighter. I thought you know I it just it seemed I didn't see you know how you could tell when some when somebody he see he was definitely the better of the two, but it just I he didn't jump out. As the as an incredibly impressive in this performance, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not trying to denigrate his skills, but it just seemed he it seemed he knew he did the basics to defeat uh, Naoya. Right, I get what you mean on that. Um, regarding if he's a viable opponent for tension, um, I think that tension would beat him. I yeah, I think Tension would beat him. I think it would become a sixteen and one record if they fought uh one on one in September. Mm-hmm. I mean but to be honest, do you think that do you think that Ryuki is at the level of attention Nasakawa in kickboxing? Um, not from what I saw. This is the first time I ever saw him, uh kickbox. Uh, and my answer would be not at tension's level. Um, I don't, I believe that, I'm pretty sure that his 16-0 record, well, now it would be 17-0, uh, record would be, um, it, it is clearly earned. Uh, but I, I thought I, to be at tension's level in a kickboxing match, you, it has to be, you have to do, it has to go beyond the decision there has to you has to it has to be a level of this person looks incredibly dangerous i when i when this when this fight was over i didn't think that this guy looked like he could he could go go toe to toe tension in a kickboxing match i saw uh-huh. he might deliver he might deliver a good performance he might be able he might he may be able to go maybe one round but i would I would think that tension would 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 easily would easily beat him. Uh, no question about it. I see. And uh, do you think that either of these fighters will probably get a return date for Ryzen should they not be selected for this tournament? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think Ryuki would definitely be in the tournament. Uh, maybe even no- Noya. Um, I think I, I think they'll both. I'm gonna just I'm gonna just throw it out there that probably both will be in the tournament. I don't know. Well, I don't know what their schedules are. You know, for their uh, for future fights. Um, but there's a reason why they had a lot of uh, um, lower weight fighters uh, kickboxers on this card. Um, it's not by accident. And also on the Japanese commentary, they had Tenshin Natsukawa on commentary. So none of this is by accident, clearly. And. Um, this you know it's query to 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 keep in, let the what let us know that that these one of these or you know who one of these or some of these or maybe all of these uh lower weight kickboxing um competitors could uh could return and this for this uh kickboxing tournament um and, you know and uh 
Uh, I, my guess would probably be that I would I would think that they would have to, uh, that they would probably have both. I would I would say that they would have Ryuki Naoya come back um, uh, to uh, fight in this tournament. Uh, what do you think? Now, to me, when it comes down to this fight, I thought Ryuki done well. But if if Ryzen ends up getting Ryuki for this tournament, I think it's gonna probably be in a reserve fight. That's interesting. Some, I mean, against either some no-name Japanese fighter who, to many in that country, probably has won titles but isn't getting an amount of exposure. Mm-hmm. Or some foreign guy who's basically coming in with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, I, I totally forgot. Yeah, they're going to probably have to have a reserve fight. Um, so, uh, that'd be... I mean, because if you think about it, if they got Kiyoshi Horikuchi already set up for a fight, if they got Tenshin Asukawa set up for a fight, and if they got two more fights that are basically getting ready to be set up, I mean... Basically, they're going to have to have somebody like Ryuki come in as, like, a utility fighter in case one of the fighters that have already been set up for a fight gets out with an injury. Yeah, no, that's that's correct. No, no, that's very true. That's very true. Um, I wasn't thinking of that. Um, I don't know, that's, that, uh, I'm, I'm more... I'm more... When you bring that up, um, I'm leaning more towards... Uh, Ryuki being a reserve fighter. That that is actually a very good point that you brought up that I didn't think about. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna guess that they'll probably start announcing um, it, um, competitors probably soon. But um, um, we'll get into more that the the announcement about it. There was a little bit of a hint uh, later in the show. We'll talk about that when that when that came up in the show. Um, but um. After this, um, there was, uh, we, before they got into the MMA fights, we had an appearance by the winner of the Super Adam, Women's Super Adam Weight Tournament, Kana Azakura, and also, uh, speaking of Tenshin, the current girlfriends, um, of, uh, Tenshin Asakawa, um, all she did basically said, uh, what the commentators Joe Ferraro and Frank Triggs said, was that she's apparently thanked the fans for coming out to the show. <laughs> I don't know. She didn't say anything else. Yeah. Uh, and she's basically saying she wants to fight again. Oh, okay. Well, that's expected. Uh, actually, uh, you know, while while it's the subject was brought up, what did you think of uh, Joe Farrell and Frank Trick this time? Oh, I thought they done well, even though there was still some, even though there was still a bit of difficulty when it came down to Farrell pronouncing names correctly. But I thought they did pretty well. Um, they, Especially considering that they were doing better than what they did at Ryzen 11. But if they can continue to do commentary like that, I'm pretty sure they'll continue to do well. Um, they were there live for the show. Um, as well as, as you said, you, uh, as you told me previously before we started the podcast, uh, that they were also there live for Ryzen 11? Mm-hmm. Okay. At the arena. Okay. The yeah. Super arena. I, I didn't see them there, so that's why I, I was... When I saw them, when the show started, I couldn't figure out, oh, if they're, are they on a green screen? But, but, but apparently they were not. Um, I just liked it how they, at the beginning of the show, they had the, the rising girls uh, standing behind them, just posing. For, for no other reason. I mean, I'm pretty sure 
The only reason why they had the rising girl standing behind them was probably just to get eyeballs on the screen. Yes, yes. <laughs> it was just so, so, they were just standing behind them, like not even doing anything. They were just standing behind them, and I was just like, I, I, I it was just such an awkward. It seems incredibly awkward. There's them like standing behind them. I just thought that was funny. Um, also, speaking of rising girls, uh, this show was sponsored by a wedding company called Our Our Weddings, right? Was um, I mean, as weird as that might seem, yes, it was promoted by a bridal gown company. I mean. I mean, because if you think about it, it's Japan. A lot of things are going to be sponsored by a lot of weird shit. We just have to sit there and enjoy it. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, because also the funny thing is that um, occasionally the ringer will be dressed in a, in a uh, wedding gown, which I thought was very funny. Um, I don't know if you, if you saw that. Uh, occasionally the, uh, the girl holding the card would be a... Um, or the uh, the the uh, introductory ring girl would be would be wearing a wedding dress. <laughs> yeah, but still, though, that was that was pretty damn weird. Yeah, but just, I just didn't pay no attention to it. I just, I mean, like, wow. You know, just I just couldn't believe that shit. It's just funny how you know what I I'm just trying to figure out what a wedding company would see and and promoting uh marketing their 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 business at a mixed martial arts event it just it's it's one of those things that's like i don't know maybe i'm missing something entirely it was like when um there uh for uh wrestle kingdom 11 um in 2017 when uh there was a boat a, there was a boat company that sponsored the show it was called like boat race or something, and I just think mm-hmm. I was just thinking, and they had a they had a big a huge uh, logo on the ring apron on the uh, on the ring apron uh, on the side. And I just thought, what does a boat company see in a wrestling promotion that you know? Just one of those things. I, it's one of those things that only happens in Japan. You know that would never happen in America. You know, um, you know, like one eight hundred flowers. Um, sponsoring a uh, a UFC event or Bellco <laughs> or something like that. It's just one of those things that happens in Japan. I just find very very funny because uh, it just it just it just sticks out. Um, but yeah, um, I find that shit very funny too. But to me, it was like that one. I mean, it kind of reminded me of like that one Pride of Sea card where, and I'm trying to search for it right now. But it reminded me of that one. Pride FC fight card where they basically had the Fedor versus Krokop title fight and they just kept playing the wedding march in the damn BTR. <laughs> oh, wait, actually it was Pride Final Conflict 2005 that it happened at. Hmm. And they played the wedding march throughout that entire fight, I mean, throughout that entire VTR. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, Speaking of uh, MMA, we're gonna uh, right after uh, Kanaz Kerr made her uh, her very um, unnoteworthy appearance. Uh, we got into the MMA fights finally. Um, oh God! And I mean, I'm not trying to say that because oh, we finally got into the MMA fights. 
I'm just saying that because of what the hell happened after they got into the MMA fights. Would you basically go ahead and talk about what happened? Um, are you talking about, uh, uh, Andrea Magana's, uh, outfit that she wore at the weigh-ins? Yes. So, uh, you know, like I, you know, like I said before, I wasn't, I didn't watch the weigh-ins. I was out of the bubble for basically the hype for the, for the show. So I didn't see this until, I didn't notice this until after I watched the show. So I basically didn't watch I didn't look up anything regarding regarding Ryzen Twelve until after the show had happened because I didn't want to spoil spoil it for myself. But uh, when I when I looked at when I watched a little bit of the weigh-ins because I just like I like to watch them because you know you never know what's gonna happen in the weigh-ins. Uh, and I was just skimming through skimming through and I and Andrew Magana comes out in it wasn't a bikini but it was like it was like a it was was it would that count as a bikini or no I don't know what to count that. At. It was like underwear. Uh, it, was some, it was some type of weird lingerie that not yeah. even Victoria's Secret would put over. And she was all bloodied up. I think I was blo- supposed to be blood. And she had a... Uh, what was with the knife? Was this knife sticking out of her or was she holding it? Oh, she was holding it. I mean, basically she was trying to do some type of weird... Dark samurai bullshit. And, uh, I mean, she was basically trying to get people's attention. Meanwhile, during the way in, Kanako Barata just stayed cool, calm, and collective. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, uh, on commentary, uh, Trig uh, and Farrar would say that she was trying to play the heel in this. Uh, yeah, I don't know how exactly that was being he- a heel, but, um... You know, I just it, I thought the outfit was more strange than 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 uh like you know when when Ring Nakai has her outfits, they uh-huh. it's definitely she's definitely it's definitely attention seeking when she wears her BDSM bunny outfits or whatever. Um, but yeah, because we all know what to expect when she comes out wearing these bondage outfits. Yeah, I'll even go far to say Cindy Dandois when she had her fight with King Reyna, she dressed as uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, one of the uh, what? Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because of the fact that she was trying to be the mostly because of the fact that she was trying to be the queen trying to take out the king. Exactly. I think it was either a chess reference or an Alice in Wonderland reference. Yes. Um. Yeah. Uh. So there was that. So that made sense. I was just trying to figure out, you know, what 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 the story behind her outfit. I mean, like, you know, I'll give her props. You know, I I you know, it's well, after I looked up, I I went on Twitter. You know, there were quite a few people talking about it, but um, it was just I just thought it was an odd choice. I really just thought it was an odd choice. Um, it seemed to be more attention grabbing than have like a symbolic reference at all. Yeah. In my opinion, I thought she was just being fucking crazy because she's a fucking loser. Uh, well, um, unfortunately, that's what wound up happening with the fights. Uh, uh, Angela Magana went from a, uh, 7 and 9 record to 7 and 10. Um, well, actually, actually, according to Tapology, 
she had an 11 and 9 record Oops. that dropped down to 11 and 10. But you're, yeah, you're correct. For other matters, <laughs> she still lost, and it was her sixth consecutive loss. You're Seven right. Seven if you count Chris Cyborg. <laughs> yeah. Eight if you count Brandon Vera. Uh, oh. And how she got kicked out of their fight gym. Um. <laughs> So actually, I was I was looking at Caitlyn Young's previous record. So sorry about that. That was seven nine. But uh, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. My bad. My bad. We basically going through a lot of difficulties. Yes. But see, uh, um. Point of the matter was, Kanako Murata defeated Angela, our so-called Majesty Magana, via the first ever Von Flute show performed in a women's MMA bout mm-hmm. at three minutes and thirteen seconds of round number two. Um, do you still call it the Von Fu choke, or do you call it the the Von St. Peru choke? It's the Von Fu choke. I mean, even though Ovin St. Peru basically does it all the time when he wins the <laughs> UFC, I mean, it's the, I mean, it's basically a choke called, it's similar to like a head and arm choke. Yeah. But it basically, applies, it basically applies more pressure, you know. To just get rid of somebody, I mean, to just cut somebody's air out of their body. Yeah, um, I think it's also important to bring up how it happened. So, uh, Marata went uh, went to, uh, went for a uh, a takedown on uh, on Magana, and what happened was that uh, she took her down, but she uh, Maga- Magana she had she was able to get her arm around uh, Marata's neck, uh, trying to go for a guillotine. But as some, you know, I've been I've been on the receiving end of this as well. If you if you do not have that guillotine rocked in properly, your opponent could basically use your uh, your arm and uh, your where where your arm is placed and basically use that against you to basically put pressure around your neck area and basically yeah either you know make it a uh, glorified um um. Uh, had an arm choke, or yeah, in this case, a uh, von Flute choke, and that's basically what she did. She basically used uh, use um um uh, Magana's um attempt at a guillotine choke against her. Uh, to uh, make, she basically turned into that von Flute choke, um, and um basically uh in the first two rounds, yeah, uh Mag- Magana did nothing. She basically was did nothing uh, either round, um, and you know for a match that was touted as a grappling versus wrestling, most of the grappling was done by the wrestler, and especially near the you know the gra- the wrestler wants the grappling you could say, um, so you know, I mean you know is uh, is Murata going to be a, the UFC, uh, the for the UFC vet killer is that going to be her gimmick? Uh, to be honest, I don't think she will be because I don't think that there are any ex UFC fighters fighting outside the promotion to go around for her to just keep racking up all these bodies. You know, I mean, granted, I would love to see. Kanaka Murata fight more because basically what she said in her post-fight speech, and I'm pulling it up right now, but what she said in her post-fight speech was that now she, now that she has so many fans, 
she could have her own crowd section just to see her mom. <laughs> yeah. Also, she wants to get she wants to be better and better just so that she can come back to Nagoya again, let alone Verizon. Mm-hmm. But well, the only yeah, re- well, I, re- I would love to see. I would love to see Marata fight a little bit more mm-hmm. in MMA. Maybe, I mean, hopefully, Rising can match her up with the best opponents that can that they can give to her. Maybe not. I mean, if not, maybe Deep Jewels can do something for her. But I just hope she continues fighting. Well, the only reason why I ask is because her previous opponent at the last at the uh, at uh, at the Rise and Ten show was uh, Lachana Green, who also well, who was on the uh, one of the Ultimate Fighters. Uh, so just funny how to her two uh, two of the fights that she had, um, two of the three fights that uh, uh, Murata has had. Uh, have been against... Actually, no. You actually think about it, three. Uh, she did fight Rin Nikai, but she lost that fight. Um, but, uh, but beside that, she's won... All of her fights have been with UFC uh, vets. And she's won two out of three of them. Yeah, so it's just... It basically has funny how all of her... Yeah, so I just wonder if if she's... If, if, if that's going to be kind of her thing. She's going to face former UFC women for Ryzen. It's almost too much of a coincidence that she fights three of them. That's that's way too much of a coincidence, in my opinion. Yeah, it is way too much of a coincidence. But I hope it doesn't lead to her going straight to the UFC just to, you know, try and prove her work. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just hope that she can get more fights in Japan. I mean, I just hope that she can get more fights in Japan and maybe go out the country, go fight for King of the Cage in the States just to prove her work. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll probably talk a little bit more later about how Ryzen is probably going to be seen a lot in 2019. Mm-hmm. But I just like to also just say, side, just want to just give one more thought on this fight. Uh, when, I, when I was talking, this fight was also, you know, I'm glad that there was a finish, but it was also just so disappointing because clearly one fighter was so better than the other that it was almost not even a fight, at, really. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know if that would... To be honest, on the minus side, I mean, Magana, we all know she's a loon. We all know she spends way too much time on social media showing off her ass and stuff. And she's basically saying now that she wants to be a part of the 2020 Puerto Rican Olympic wrestling team. <laughs> Do you find this shit to be comical, or do you think it might actually happen? Well, all I'll just say is uh, good luck. I wish her the best with uh, joining the Olympic team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, well, I mean, I just hope that she does do it, but I just hope that she... I mean, she hasn't been able to find her buzz since August 13, 2011, which was seven fucking years ago at an event in Colorado. And keep in mind, she's also a former hook and shoot veteran as well. It was actually surprising when uh, when they were bringing up her her stats. It said that she actually beat Jessica Aguilar. And I couldn't believe that. I actually had to look it up just to make sure it was true. Because I I was... uh, I was I couldn't believe that she actually beat Jessica Aguilar, and when I looked it up, oh, 
she actually uh, she fought Jessica Aguilar three times with this, uh, and she lost two of the fights by uh-huh. by submission, and she happened to win the third one by majority decision, which. I never saw the majority decision fight, but when I see majority decision, you know, I, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't tell me exactly that she she did everything to. Uh, majority decision can mean anything. It's not unanimous. It's not unanimous decision. Yeah, but the point of the matter is, I think that she needs to either. I think she needs to make a decision. Either she's going to take more losses in MMA. Well, she's just going to go ahead, hang up her, I mean, or she's probably going to go ahead, think about either improving her career or just hanging up her gloves and just going ahead and retiring. Um, will she retire? Uh, I don't know if she'll retire. Um, the, uh, the, the, I mean, she, she is 35. She was actually 10 years old. She's actually 10 years older, 10 years older exactly, uh, compared to Murata. Um, uh-huh. I don't know. You know, it's so funny. We're actually talking more about the loser than we are the winner, which I think is funny. Um, that's like, I think that's that. That's really funny how like how we're talking more about Magana than than Murata. Uh, when Kuri Murata, yeah, but we're not, but we're not basically tearing a new hole into her ass either. Oh no, 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 not at all, not at all. Um. You know, if she joins the Olympics, good. You know, she does it. You know, congratulations. If she continues to fight for Ryzen, you know, hey, you know what? You know, I'm always willing to give fighters the benefit of the doubt. You know what? Remember when uh, Mark Hunt was on that long ass losing streak uh, during yes. his uh, his uh, I'm addicted to Counter Strike uh, days? Um, mm-hmm. You know, people can you know can make turnarounds. You know, but you know, judging from this fight, you know. I saw two rounds where 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 the grappler was out grappled by the by the wrestler, and I saw the person. I saw I saw two rounds where Magana did absolutely nothing. So I don't know what she wants to do with her career at this point. Um, but you know, hopefully she makes the one that she thinks is the smartest one that she can have have either more success in, or she, if she sticks with MMA, she can improve where she is. Uh, at this level. I mean, hopefully she does improve because it makes no fucking sense how she is now 11 and 10 and she has seven straight, no, six straight losses, including three in the UFC. It shouldn't make any sense. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You know, um, yeah, I don't really, I don't really have much more to say about her. I really don't have much more to say about her. I don't have much more about this fight. So, can you please move on. Yes, let's definitely do that. So, next fight. Oh yes. Uh, yeah, the next fight was a 143 pound featherweight kickboxing contest between a guy who's basically making his second consecutive rising appearance in Kaito Ono, as he defeated Sho Ogawa. Via unanimous decision. Now, what do you think was the main difference for Kaito Ono between this fight at Ryzen 12 and the fight that he had at the last event, Ryzen 11? <laughs> well, um, let's see. Well, took that that fight on maybe less than a day's notice, um, at minimum. Um, 
and he fought at, I, I'm guessing, what was probably hit closer to his walk-around weight. With a, they fought around, I think, 155, 154 pounds, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, this one was more around, uh, what, what he was, he had more preparation for, so he was, that's why I think he was at a lower weight class, so he was able to cut to the weight that he normally fights at. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, um, I just want to uh, also, first before we say anything, I liked how Sho Ogawa came out dressed as Captain America. That was really cool. <laughs> um. Well, hey, I'm pretty sure he knew how to get the crowd going. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Um, let's see, I have their records here. I just want to bring up what their, what their, consecu- what, what each of their records are. Ogawa has a record of 27-16-3, while Kaido has a, a record of 25-3. Again, one, again, one of those, um, those, those disparaging, uh, disparate, um, uh, kickboxing records, which I always find so fascinating. Um, but basically, what I saw in this fight was not the same Kaido that fought at the Ryzen 11 card on a day's notice. This was this. Oh, I saw. If you think about it, if you think about it, Kaito at Ryzen Eleven was pretty damn explosive. Oh yes. I mean, Kaito here in Ryzen Twelve was dominant, but he just didn't know how to finish. Yeah, exactly. I, in fact, for um the for the first round, all I have in my notes is nothing happened except Ogawa uh tripping Kaito, who went for a leg kick. That's all I have, and I don't even have anything for the second round. Um, and then for the third round, I had that someone hit the speed up button on Kaido, who was ba- who basically used uh, Ogawa as a punching bag, a a, a, a punching and kickboxing uh, kicking bag. Mm-hmm. And I, you know that's just, and that was when I was most impressed by Kaido was in that third round where he was just it was just like it was just boom 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 combo 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 one punch one punch two punch combo kick 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 he was delivering all sorts of of shit that I couldn't even keep up with. So I just basically wrote down that he was just, yes, someone hit the speed button on him. Um, it was impressive nonetheless, but what, you know, he still, he went for that, uh, that knee that, um, that got him the knockout in the, um, Ryzen 11, but that wasn't able to, uh, put away Ogawa. Um, also just want to mention Kaido, damn, he is tall for his weight division. He is incredibly tall, tall and lanky as fuck. I mean, he's no string beam, but he fights like he's a power puncher. Mm-hmm. And uh, even at the end, Kaido didn't look happy when when, uh, when they announced the decision. He seemed he's I don't know if you were able to get a good look at his face, but he he didn't seem very ecstatic when uh, they announced him as a winner. Yeah, he was probably. I mean, like I said, he was. I mean, he did dominate that fight. Yeah, he just couldn't finish. And I think he was probably more upset about not getting the finish than actually winning the fight via decision. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to say at all that he that he gave a bad performance. It was just you know it looked it looked it looked like two different um, kickboxers from from Ryzen 11 and Ryzen 12. And I don't know if you know if that was just because he fought a different fighter or if it was just because of the of 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 it being two weeks. And he may, I don't, I don't know, maybe did less training for us. You know, I don't know why, but it just, it, it looked like two different kickboxers uh, in this, and uh, in, in the two fights. Uh-huh. Um, any thoughts about this fight uh, on your end? Uh, 
Hey, I mean, I just hope that when it comes down to, you know, when it comes down to Kaito, he can probably improve his finishing power. I mean, I think he should probably be happy that he got the win, but he should be focused more on how to finish fights. Yeah. Rather than just fighting to a decision. Um, I Also, I will say this, that it seems like that he is definitely becoming uh, a well-known name in the kickboxing uh, scene, so he's definitely. I definitely will. He, he's definitely going to be on future rising cards. Um, yeah, hopefully, so if there is somebody, I mean, if they can find people to fight against him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know. Remember, I think I told you on the last show that uh, when Kaido uh, um, had his fight, uh, people uh, there were people commenting saying, "Oh, this guy, he intentions should fu- should fight." I think did I tell you that? What? What the fuck were they thinking? <laughs> I mean, do they not realize that like Shintaro Masakula, even for Kaito Ono, he would have to cut a substantial amount of weight just to fight tension. Or yeah. tension would have to... I mean, because it would be hard for tension to just eat out of house and hold just to move up to 140 pounds. That ain't happening anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why those people are probably thinking that the Kaito Ono Tenshin Asakawa fight would even mean anything. I mean, it would take either a strong weight cut down for Kaito or a gruesome weight bulk up for Nasukawa. Yeah, either way, it sounds disgusting, especially the especially that weight cut. Because I'm guessing he probably walked around in one one. Around, at least between 150 and 160, judging by what the uh, last fight uh, on one day's notice was. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. We don't need any more deathly weight cuts, and we don't need any more discuss- disgusting bulking up for a uh, fight. So, you know... And more importantly, when it comes down to cars in Japan, unlike YFC, we don't need fighters dying on the scale trying to make weight for a fight. Yes. Oh, no. We don't... We don't need that, and uh, you know, uh, uh, probably the, the the probably the only time that there's ever been like a like someone got a uh, sick uh, was uh, uh, from a weight cut or had complications was the uh, ring Nakai. Well, uh, I was about to say ring Nakai, but then I just remembered the Gabby Garcia when she was talking about um, you know her nose bleeding oh. and all that stuff. So, um, but uh, yep, uh, this was a. Uh, this was a kickboxing fight that uh, Kaido won. I mean, I, I honestly don't know what else more to say about it. That's what uh, that's all I that's all I can really say about it. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll say about it too. The next fight that came up on this fight card was a battle of megatons, not heavyweights, <laughs> not openweights, megatons, as these were two deep fighters. Rocky Martinez, representing Spike 22 out in Guam, knocked out Samurai John Cena, I mean Samurai Mark Hunt, Kiyoshi Kurabara, via KO, flush punches. Three minutes, 38 seconds of round number one, and unfortunately for Kurabara, there wasn't no two count for his ass to kick out of. (laughs) (laughs) But first of all, before we even get into... I mean, before we even dive deep into this into this fight, I gotta ask: Were you surprised when Kiyoshi Kurabara came out to John Cena's entrance music 
<laughs> that was one of those, what the fuck? Wait, what am I... Am I listening at the correctly? And yes, um, I was like, now I, I now I don't know what how what what Ryzen does with their fighters when it comes up when it comes to um, entrance music. Do they ask the fighters and then they play? They just play whatever they want, or if what the what it is exactly? I know that like I know that uh that UFC has has specific rules for if they, if some fighters want music. Uh, I know that some music they won't play. Um, so yeah. I just want, I wonder if Ryzen just says, I wonder if uh, Samurai, oh god, I, what a, first of all, Samurai Mark Hunt, if that, if that is true that he changed his name legally to that, that is, it's such a stupid name. Uh, that is such a, a oh, dumb yeah. name. Uh, I, 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 we, anything, he probably shamed Mark Hunt more than anything. Well, well, I'm gonna give him some 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 credit later on uh, when we talk more in depth about the fight. But regarding the John C music, I was yeah, I was it it caught me off guard that like, you know, I was actually laughing. I was actually laughing when uh when the music came because I was like, wow, I can't believe. You know, when Darren Cruikshank comes out to Real American, it kind of fits with his with his with his persona. You know, the all American, uh, gun loving Michigan uh, American top team. Um, Michigan top team fighter. So, you know, that makes sense. But I'm just trying to figure out what this guy, like, does, is this, does he listen to this music when he goes to the gym and he's working out? Is this the type of music, is he playing, uh, John Cena's theme to get, to get into, uh, gym mode and, uh, workout mode? It was just, it was just a weird choice. It was, I, like, I don't know. I mean... Come to think of it, it's no weirder than the actual Mark Hunt coming out to Hillsong United songs, mm-hmm. and of course we, I mean, most of us probably know them as the Celebrity Church or whatever. But still, I mean, Troy Barr coming out to John Cena's entrance music is probably crazy. I mean, it's probably not the craziest thing that's happened when it came down to JMMA in recent years. But it's definitely the weirdest shit that oh, yeah. I've ever laid eyes on in JMMA, at least in my history of actually watching it, with the exception of the entrances of Jie Natsu, Yuichiro Nagashima. Uh, but yes, bar- barring uh, um, John Cena's entrance music, um, I just would like to also say that when uh, this fight was announced, so I was I was watching the live press conference when the, when this was announced. Now I have I have a, I have a limited understanding of Japanese, but I can I can usually pick up names when when I'm hearing uh, when I'm hearing them being spoken. And I remember when I was watching this live, and then I just heard Samurai Mark Hunt. I thought, oh shit, Ryzen, what a coup! Ryzen actually got Mark Hunt. So I was ready to go on Facebook, send Mark Hunt a message. I don't know if you know he's very responsive to fans on Facebook, um, uh-huh. much both positively and negatively. I'll say, um, uh-huh. uh, the, the the real Mark Hunt. I'm saying right now, not uh, not not fake Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt. Yes, um, the Samoan Mark Hunt. Uh, and but then. Um, I was ready to get a, to, to get a message out, and I have I have the uh, I have I have Twitter also on my computer, um, so because I'm looking at uh, people's reactions to fights and all that stuff, and then I just see um, I'm trying to remember who it was. 
It may have been Cerebral Hunter, but I'm not entirely... probably was Cerebral Hunter, Deli Skepto. Uh... And where he uh, where he where he said, "Oh no, this is not not this is not Samoa Mark Hunt. This is this Mark Hunt." And I was <laughs> and I was perplexed. I was I I thought like I didn't, I was like, "Huh? Who?" So I looked up the and I looked up. See, I don't even know what is real. I just call him Samurai Mark Hunt because that's literally what I've ingrained in my head now. Because that's what they first called him. So I don't even uh, Kunibara. That's that's his that's his non. Uh, his non-fake name. Um, yeah, Kiyoshi Kurobara is his shoot name. Yeah. So what? So I then looked it up, and I, and, and I see, oh, this guy goes by Mark the the name Samurai Mark Hunt, and it pissed me off so much because it now the opportunity to possibly have Mark Hunt on the We Are Rising podcast, the real Mark Hunt, got got thrown in the trash. Because fake Mark Hunt was the actual Mark Hunt they were talking was was the Mark Hunt they were they were talking about. So I was just so angry. I was so angry. I was so angry, well, and disappointed. Well, well, if you think about it, Mark Hunt's last UFC fight I think is supposed to be scheduled for that Moscow show they have coming up, where he faces off against Alexei Olenek. So. <laughs> Maybe next year, maybe around this time next year, we'll be talking about Mark Hunt and Ryzen. But for right now, I mean, what are your thoughts about the deep megaton champion, Rocky Martinez, and his performance over this guy? Um, well, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be on an island with this, with this match, but this was actually my favorite match on the card. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, well, for, this is uh, Rocky Martinez's second match with uh with Ryzen. His first one was against JLB Jerome Banner. Where he, I guess, surprisingly defeated JLB with a scarf choke, with a scarf hole choke. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Well, Basically, basically went from a nobody to, be, uh, to, be becoming a uh, a much more well known name on the J MMA scene. Um, well, you think about it. And started off this run by defeating J T Park Singh in deep. Then yeah. he beat Labana and now has defeated this guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell you that I was. I thought that J L B would would defeat uh, Rocky Martinez. But uh, that turned out to be the complete opposite of what happens in that match, and uh, and in this fight, um, uh, basically it was just two guys swinging for the fences. That is the that was the entire match. There was ver- there was no technique. There was no technique. This was like a it was basically they were going at it like Don Fry versus Yoshihiro Takayama back in the day. Yes, but in that fight. There was technique, at least with Don Fry. Don Fry w- was throwing precision punches. Uh, not Takiyama, actually, no, Takiyama was also, he was he was doing he was doing a clinch uh, knees to the face of uh, Fry. There, there was there was a there was a there was technique between the two. This one, it was just wild. These two were just throwing wild punches at each other, um, and 
it was it was actually a lot of fun just seeing these two just throwing throwing bombs um and then after like after a few punches they would uh they would just they one of them would tell well, the other one just come on come on keep on bringing it keep on bringing it so um you know I, I also you know this is a great contrast to uh the previous uh heavyweight fight that happened um with uh uh that happened on Ryzen 11 uh which was an absolute shit oh lord the last said about that ball parade fight against Shoma Shibisai, the better. And basically... This fight between Martinez and Kurabara just blew that shit out of the ocean. Exactly, and, you know, uh, other than, you know, other than some, some leg kicks by, 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 by Martinez, there, there's basically, there was just punches being thrown this entire match. There was no takedowns, no, they weren't going for submissions. They just were throwing, just throwing punches. And the refs stopped the fight while while Samurai Mark Hunt was still standing, and he was still throwing punches, which was which was, I thought was great. Uh, but it's basically his spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. Yes, and uh, 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 Samurai Mark Hunt was also. Uh, was also a bloody mess. You know, I think I think he may have been bleeding from his nose. Um, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, this is how this is what this is this is how the other fight should have the, the previous heavyweight fight should have been should have ended in the first round with somebody getting knocked out. And unfortunately, the that did not happen. Luckily, you know, these two, these two, uh, they they went out swinging for the fences. And one in uh, in this case of uh, Rocky Martinez, he hit a home run in a knock in a uh, exactly. in a standing knock standing uh, TKO. Um, exactly, and if Martinez does get booked for more fights, whether it be in deep for his Megaton title or Ryzen overall as a special attraction, I think that he might be the next big JMMA. I mean, screw that. He's obviously going to be the next, I mean, the first big heavyweight star to fight out of Guam. He might as well be the next big heavyweight star to fight for, I mean, to fight in JMMA as well. Who would you say would be a good opponent for him next? <laughs> sure as shit not ball, Karab. <laughs> well, I would only like to see that because I'm pretty sure Rocky Martinez would probably knock him out. So that would probably be the only good reason Hopefully why. Hopefully so. That would be a that would be a taste for his own medicine, and it would be happy for us because we all know Paul Perel didn't perform well in that fight against Shibisai. He was basically bullshitting. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be a good fight for Martinez just to knock the bullshit out of Paul Perel. Mm-hmm. But to be quite honest, aside from Paul Perel, I don't really know who would be a great opponent for Martinez. In Ryzen, I think the best option would be to wait to see who lines up for his, I mean, for Martinez's Deep Megaton title because he's the current Megaton champion of Deep Fighting Championships. And seeing the fact that their events are on YouTube now, as well as the Deep Jewels events are on YouTube, I have a feeling that, you know, as as much as Martinez gets his name out with these fights for Ryzen, He's gonna be a hot commodity, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Just uh, on the on the uh, on the topic of Guam, right now I'm watching the PFL uh, prelims, PFL six prelims, and a fellow Guam fighter, uh, Herman Torado, is unfortunately not doing too well against uh, Jake Shields. Uh, um, I'm pretty sure Jake Shields basically is doing all he can to get the taste of Ray Brother Boy Cooper the third out of his mouth. No, oh, no, yeah, he. Basically everything that he did wrong with Cooper, he is not he is not letting the, the big muscly Harado uh, to do the same thing again to him. Are they? I, I'm just curious. Are they? Are they from the same camp, uh, Torado and uh, Martinez? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, let me go ahead and check. Let's see. T e r a d o. Let's see, Herman the Hitman Toronto, 1541, fighting out of California by way of Guam. Let's see, the Dunks. Ah, yeah, no, wait, actually, he fights out of undisputed boxing and MMA in San Diego, California, by way of Barrigada, Guam. Ah, uh, okay. Um, so, no, they don't fight out of that fight camp. Uh,. Well, let's just talk a little bit about about Samurai Mark Hunt. Do you do you think he gets booked for a future Ryzen show, even though he now has a record of eleven and eleven? Uh, if he does, I think it might be a while before he gets the call. You know, I mean, because if he does, he's probably gonna have to change a lot of things. He's probably gonna have to be more like a warrior in his approach instead of whatever the hell that was. That happened last weekend. I, I admit, you know, at first I thought, you know, what the fuck is this guy, you know, calling himself Last Samurai, uh, the, 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 not Last Samurai, but Samurai Mark Hunt and all that stuff. But you know what? I give him, I give him a lot of credit, you know, just you know, just for the fact that, that his heart was, you know, to still still stand and and get pummeled, even though he was clearly getting the shit kicked out of him, like. Not going down, you know, was I give him a lot of credit for his heart and his uh, tenacity. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing him again. I wouldn't mind seeing him again, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, maybe, you know, if, if, if Mark Hunt does go on to Ryzen, you know, maybe a Mark Hunt versus Mark Hunt uh, match for the, uh, the rights to the Mark Hunt name. Huh. Are you sure you want to see that? Because if that fight happens, I guarantee that Kiyoshi Kurokawa... Would be jobbing out. <laughs> uh, so, uh, hey, you know what? It'd be great to see Mark Hunt get a knock, uh, a, a uh, another, a, another walk off, uh, walk away knockout. So, you know, hey, anytime to see that happen, you know, I'm all, I'm all for that. Uh huh. But yeah, anything else to say now, about this fight? Uh, I don't think I can say any more that has already been said about this fight. Okay, good. Let's go ahead and move on to the next bout, which was in the featherweight division at 146 pounds. Mikulu Asakula defeated Iron Broom, former Shudo, Sengoku, and TKO featherweight champion, not to mention UFC veteran, Hatsu Hioki, via TKO. Left high kick, shin kick, and punches, actually. Two minutes and 45 seconds of round number one. Mm. In the post-fight interview, Miku, who along with Kai, were the first ever, I mean, became the first ever brother tandem to fight for Ryzen, 
as they were when they fought in Valley Tudo Japan together, was thankful to Hiyoki for taking the fight, as he has a lot of respect for him. And in the future, he also wants to fight on a fight card as well as his brother Kai. Mm-hmm. Now, I gotta ask, what were your thoughts about Hatsu Hiyoki going into this fight? Mm-hmm. You know, well, first off, I guess I I can't Hatsu. Hiyoki's been around for a long, long, long time. It's amazing, like just the amount of fights that he's had. And I know he's, I know he's about what, what they say. He was like thirty. Is he thirty two, thirty three, something along those lines? Uh, let me just... check how old, how old he actually is. Uh huh. Yeah, let's see. Da, da, da. Loading, loading, loading. Oh, actually, he was 35 going into this fight. He oh. is 35, actually. Oh. Yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah, he's yeah. basically been doing this for a long time. I feel like he's been around forever. Well, I feel like I've he's always he's a name that I've always heard when whenever Japanese uh, J- JMMA is talked about. Um, his name is always pops up, and I just feel like he, I don't know. I feel like his name has been around forever. Well, that's because he's basically been around since 2002. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's go. Oh my, that's that is a long ass time to be a fighter. Uh, but um, regarding Yoki, um, you know, as as uh, as the uh, commentators did say, this was a fight that was a passing of the torch. Um, and it the uh, the the way that it happened, it couldn't have been more. It couldn't have been more symbolic and literal the passing of the torch that happened with uh, Yoki being knocked out by that brutal shin kick and then the punches, um, shin to the head. Um, and, you know, I don't think, Yoki's not a bad, fi- you know, this is, you know, I don't think that, like, he should retire, you know, um, after this fight, you know, there's nothing that tells me, you know, tells me that, you know, he still doesn't have the... The fighter IQ, as people say, and, you know, he got he got he got beat by the by the younger and faster fighter in this case. Um, yeah, uh, but if you think about it, Hiyoki's fought a virtual who's who of veterans: Hiroyuki Takaya twice, Joe Pearson, Tommy Dimaki, Jeff Big Frog Curry, Mark Hominy twice. Ruman Asato, Ronnie Mann, Masanori Kanehara, Michihino Omigawa, Jeff Lawson, defeated Marlon Sandro, defeated George Roop, defeated Ivan Menjabar, lost to Charles Oliveira and Clay, Gle- I mean, Clay Greta and Ricardo Lamas. He's basically fought a who's who of fighters. But I don't know. I mean, I can't really say much about him other than the fact that he's gone on a three-fight losing streak. Each of those three fights by way of finish, by the way. That is true. That is true. Um, but, you know, if if, if Andrew Magana can have a six-fight losing streak and still fight, I don't see why uh, Hiyoki can have a three-fight losing streak and, and not try to get... try to snap it uh, with a... Uh, uh, with a fourth consecutive fight. Yeah, I can understand you, but still, I don't know. Maybe it might be time for Hiyoki to make that decision on if he wants to continue his fighting career. I mean, 
I do think that he will continue his fighting career and end his, end his career in a rising ring. Because I think that the Japanese fight fans, especially us hardcores, us hardcore fight fans who remember him from Pancrase and Shuto and Sengoku, I mean, we basically want to see this guy compete at the highest level. Do you think, um, do you think possibly a retirement fight against uh, Kawajiri could be a good future fight? Eh, it might, but I mean, would we really want to see that? Well, I mean, I think that both are. I mean, well, first of all, Kawajiri has been seen since his last. Uh, how it's been over a year, uh, close to a year about, about probably. Um, <laughs> Wasn't his last fight against uh, um, Gabriel Oliveira from the um, tournament? No, yes, it was. It was against Gabriel Oliveira. Um, you know, both coming off uh, losses, knockout losses. You know, it might be one of those big, big dream MMA matches that J MMA matches that that perhaps fans would like to see. I'm curious to, to see it. You know, personally. So maybe, you know, maybe have him go against a Kawajiri would be, uh, would be, uh, the matchup to make, um, if, if he continues the fights. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what, uh, what, 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 uh, what gym does he fight out of again, uh, Hioki? Uh, let me check. He fights out of the Alive gym. Okay. Not too- based out of Nagoya Aichi, Japan. Okay. Uh, I'm not too familiar with them, but I, you know, I'm more, uh, you know, uh, I, um, um. If I remember correctly, I think, I think Ray Seppo has a fighter fighting out of that gym. Okay. Uh, you know, the, I mean, you know, Ray Seppo, the guy behind the professional fighters league. Yep. Basically, uh, yeah, basically he has a fighter named Bob Armstrong who fought for Pan Crace at one point in time. Okay. Um, uh, Azakura comes from, uh, the Azakura brothers, I should say, uh, come from the Outsider, um, um, yeah, team. Yeah, the Outsider. Yep, um, which is interesting, when they were talking about that on the commentary, was that apparently the, the name, the Outsider, was, 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 was conceived because they would get fighters from the streets, basically? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would basically get fighters who basically been through like crazy situations like gangs, boarding houses, stuff like that. They basically get these fighters from out of these environments and say, "Hey, we don't want to see you fight in the streets. We want to see you rip ass in the ring." Um. So what what do you think happens with uh with uh the older brother, uh, 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 Mikaro Asakura now. What do you think happens with him? Hey, you know, I mean, he did say he wants to fight on a fight card with his brother Kai. I wouldn't mind seeing both of those two brothers fight on the same card. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a, it's just a possibility of, I mean, it's just basically... The idea of getting opponents that could best suit one or both of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Trying to think of what else. Uh, what, what else? I'm looking at what else in my in my notes. I have this. This important. Uh, I don't really have a lot of. Uh, oh, Kai was also uh, in his brother's corner. Um, mm-hmm. I know he had an injury uh, that prevented him from being on the Rise of the Love card, but um, I saw nothing that I don't know. If, uh, I don't know if he got better or if uh, if he's if he's doing better health wise, but uh, nothing indicated to me that he was still uh, still injured. I mean, obviously, you know that you know. That doesn't mean that he's not injured, but I didn't see. I didn't. I didn't see anything around his uh, leg area that maybe that made me think, "Oh God, this guy had a had a horrible leg injury." And I guess he'll be well enough to compete soon. Uh, I mean, hopefully. I mean, hopefully, the non sock leg top noy Tiger Muay Thai ain't doing anything. They might run that fight back. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's um. So his brother uh, normally fights at the uh, featherweight class, and his and uh, oh no 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 sorry Mikaru uh, 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 fights at the one forty five. Mikaru is a Mikaru is a featherweight. Kai is the bantamweight. Okay, yes, Scott. Okay, okay, that's interesting. Uh, so it's, uh, we got we got like a uh, little if they little little Azakura, big Azakura, um, little Osk and big Osk. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, other than, you know, I don't, you know, uh, going back to Hiyoki, uh, Hatsu Hiyoki, what he does, you know, I, I don't see any, I don't think, uh, I personally don't think he needs to retire, uh, uh, if he, if he doesn't want to. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, because of Kura, if, uh, you know, I definitely look forward to seeing what else he can, um, what he can bring to the, uh, to the uh, uh to the rising ring, um, does he fight for any other? He, does he fight for deep or any other promotions? Oh, Mikuru? Yeah, I think he fights for Road FC. I think both of them also fight for Road FC at times. But I know Kai. Has. I don't know if Mikuru fights for Road FC as frequently as Kai does. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely know Kai has. Oh, God, I'm trying to remember. Um, I've been a little bit out of the Road SC bubble, but I can't I can't recall um seeing Mikaru's name there. Um But um yeah, you know, uh I you know, I definitely look forward to to Mikaru uh fight uh his future fights. Definitely this was one of the one of the ver- this was one of my favorite performances of the uh of the show. Uh-huh. Anything else that you anything else that you want to bring up about the fight? No, uh, actually I don't even know. I really hope that Kai and Mikuru Asakura end up fighting on the same fight card in the future. I mean, hopefully it'll probably be for that Ryzen fourteen fight card coming up. Oh yes, oh yes. Um now I mean they just need to get Ryzen thirteen out of the way first. Yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, Unless, unless, the, unless it's like an elevator, and they think that the Ryzen thirteen, they're just gonna skip Ryzen thirteen and just go to Ryzen fourteen. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I have nothing else to talk about when it comes down to this fight. Let's mm. go ahead and go on to the next fight. Which... Well, on before you go go on to the fight, um, Christian, sorry to interrupt, but regarding talking, um, Wanderlei Silva coming out to oh. his coming out to his uh. His trademark techno music. I don't. I don't have it written down. What uh? What the song? Sandstorm by Darude. Sandstorm. Thank you. Um. 
came out to uh, deliver a promo um, in in Portuguese, um, saying that he wanted to fight in December. Um, hopefully he can. Hopefully he can. I don't. You know, last when I when I went to Ryzen in December 2016, I was looking forward to him and Krokop in that uh, open weight tournament. Didn't happen. I was very upset. And since then, he's gone gone to lose to Chael Sonnen. And will probably lose against Rampage uh, in that upcoming uh, Bellator match. So if he wants to fight... Oh, if he wants to fight in Ryzen again, good luck for him. Um, oops, just dropped my bottle. Um, good luck for him. Um, okay. Sorry, go ahead. It's okay. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, you know, if he, you know, if he wants to fight, good, good for him. I don't expect him to win any fight... Uh, that he puts in that that they put him up against anybody who any whoever they put him up against I unless the person is blind and deaf I don't see him winning any more fights at at this point in his career I really don't you really think so he got beat by Chael Sonnen <laughs> that 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 I that is he he looked in that fight against Chael Sonnen he looked much smaller he looked. He looked nothing like Wanderlei that I know Wanderlei to be. That was that was somebody pretending to be Wanderlei. I didn't even say pretending. That was somebody who looked like Wanderlei, who spoke like Wanderlei, but didn't fight like Wanderlei. I see. Um, I I don't know who they're gonna have him fight against. I don't know if they're gonna. I can't see him trying to do Crow Cop again. Because I think that they're going to try to go for the Krokop uh, Jiri Prokaska fight. So I don't know who they got in mind to fight uh, Wanderlei. All I know is when it comes down to Wanderlei, I hope it's another big name that. I mean, I hope it's another big name that's trying to do the same thing Wanderlei is doing, get back on the comeback trail. Uh, yeah. I mean, because, of course. Ain't no damn way they're going to give Vondelay Silva a pushover fight. The same thing goes for his training partner, Andre Dida, who once fought for Dream. Uh, what and division does... Uh, once fought in Japanese MMA as well. What, what, Japanese kickboxing. What division does uh, Andre Dida fight in? Uh, let me go ahead and try and check. Okay. Uh, while you're looking that up, um, uh, uh, right before the intermission... Wanderlei came on to commentary uh, with Joe, Joe Ferraro and uh, Frank Trigg. Uh, and at this point, I tuned out because anytime Wanderlei speaks English, I unfortunately cannot understand at all. So I was hoping that... Me, were, were you paying attention at all to what he was talking about? I was trying to pay attention. I mean, he did say he wanted to fight on New Year's Eve. But the rest of what he was saying, I just could not understand a fucking thing. Oh, and by the way, Andre Dita fights at lightweight, 157 pounds. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, but, so... Yeah. Whatever... Yeah, I think that Vondelay Silva would probably need another bigger name just to keep himself ahead because they're not gonna... I mean, they're not gonna see the upcoming... Bellator card that's going to be on the zone against I mean against Rampage Jackson the fourth encounter between those two and think 
Well, you know, Vondelay Silva's decision. Let's give him a push over fight. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um. You're not going to date that. Oh, of course, of course. Um. Uh. But after this, uh, right after this intermission was over, we had Tenshin Nasakawa come out and saying mm-hmm. that he was going to fight, uh, that he was he would next fight on the September 30th card. Uh. And. Mm-hmm. More or less admitted that there's going to be a kickboxing uh, Grand Prix tournament, and sounded like it might start on that day. Is that what you got from uh, what he said? Uh, yeah, he did say, and I did post it on the Focus Fights Twitter account that he was wanting to fight again on September 30th, and he's just hoping that the kickboxing tournament starts then. But it's funny that you talk about. Tension Asakawa because in this next fight it may have some I mean it may have had some implications on who Tension's gonna probably fight next and that was about between Taiki Naito as he defeated Hania Hashimoto via TKO by the typical three knockdown rule one minute thirty two seconds of round number two and in his post fight speech Taiki Naito said. It was a very tense fight between him and Hania because he hadn't fought in a while. He got knocked down, but he got back up quickly. And he wants to face Tenshin Nasukawa regardless of if it's going to be in the rising kickboxing tournament or not. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Do you think that Taiki Naito would be a suitable opponent for Tenshin Nasukawa? Uh, so, before I answer your question, I, du- I dubbed this fight... The the fight between two fighters with with two New Japan pro wrestling last name uh, wrestlers of uh, last names. In this case, Hanya Hashimoto sharing the last name of Shinya Hashimoto and Taiki Naito sharing the last name of Tetsuya Naito. I just I that just that that just like I was just like oh Hashimoto versus Naito. That's what I immediately saw when I saw their last names. I'm just thinking, Night uh, Wilson Gobernables versus versus the brain buster of uh of uh Hashimoto. Um, I mean, to be honest, I hate to steer clear away from that, but we all know who would win if Hashimoto. I mean, if Shinya Hashimoto was in his prime, it wouldn't be the. Oh, of course, of course, absolutely, absolutely. Um, also, just uh, fig- well, yeah. just figuring that also that these were two very light, uh, light, uh, one hundred thirty pound fighters, and just Naito and Hashimoto mm-hmm. are both heavyweights. I just thought it was like another funny thing as well. But uh, back to your mm-hmm. question. Um, out of all the people who fought today, or all the viable people who who would who would be vi- who would be most likely uh, booked for this kickboxing Grand Prix tournament. Um, the most that looked ready or could be capable against Nasakawa, I thought that that uh, that Naito looked had looked like he had the most to offer. Um, Naito had a rec- has a record. Well, now it's a record of twenty eight and six. Coming into the fight, it was 20, 27, 6 and six. Hashimoto had a twenty seven six and six with Hashimoto at five three and four. Um, again. Another disparate records between kickboxing um, uh, fighters. Um, yeah, uh, the, this he, and also also you gotta mention how he how he won the knockdowns. It was through leg kicks. Uh huh. Leg kicks. 
exactly. leg kicks of the leg. Not to mention the fact that not to mention the fact that Naito knocked down Hashimoto three straight times in that one round. Exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. Um uh, in fact, actually, I had in the first round that Hashimoto guy knocked out of Naito, but in the second round, Naito was just just started doing inside leg kicks and just kept on kicking Hashimoto right in his calf, and three times knockdowns, and uh, yeah, after the third knockdown, um, he uh, Hashimoto had to be uh, looked like he had to be uh, helped up and carried uh, carried by his uh, by his team. This it was it was. It was Edson and Barboza level of 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 just getting destroyed by leg kicks. Um, first time it's ever happened in a in a in a, uh, in a Ryzen uh, ring, if I'm correct, either for kickboxing or MMA. So, um, but out of uh, to go back to your question, which is the most important thing, uh, out of I thought that Naito looked like he could uh, he could uh, be a suitable opponent against the tension. I really did think that. Uh, even even getting knocked down by Hashimoto on uh, the first round, I thought that you know that the leg kicks, you know, it'd be interesting to see you know uh, what would you know what would how would Tenshin Asakawa go up against somebody who delivers such brutal leg kicks? I obviously you know I have to believe that he would you know he's obviously he would obviously prepare for that. He was there watching this match. He you know if, if the two were to fight, you know he clearly would know. Okay. This guy is good at leg kicks. I'm gonna have to remember check my leg kicks, or don't even get within the uh, the zone uh, within reach of those leg kicks. But I was incredibly impressed by Naito. I was in- that he was able to finish the fight the way he did. And based on that, I thought that you know, I think out of all the fights, kickboxing fights, he was the mo- the one that most impressed that that I think uh, not necessarily could defeat. Tension. I th- I, I want to mention that that he. I don't think he necessarily could def- de- defeat tension, but he definitely looked like he had the. He was the one that that looked the most ready for him. I guess you could say. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, and he, he, he the most ready for him. He uh, and you no, know, it's funny. This entire uh, this entire this is basically tension has it has a. Uh, a, a um a target on him right now by any fighters uh who are around who fight around one thirty. And um Naito seemed to be the most he seemed to be the most confident and the one who is who is going who is you know who I can believe can have a uh, have a uh competitive fight against tension. Uh-huh. But uh, and uh, what are your thoughts on that? I don't have any more thoughts on that. I basically feel that. I mean, I basically feel that it all boils down to how they're going to plan this kickboxing tournament out. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to probably get some more as the show ends, just to talk about it. But let's go ahead and let's move on to the. Next fight on the card, which was a women's featherweight bout. Yes. And that bout was Caitlin Young leg kicking the hell out of Reina Kubalta. I mean, Reina Miura, not Kubalta, obviously. <laughs> I mean, anyways, the striking Viking Caitlin Young defeated Reina Kubalta. Shit. There it goes again. <clears throat> the striking Viking 
Caitlin Young, who has not won a fight in, in three and a half years, as far as MMA is concerned, defeated King Marina Miura via unanimous decision after just leg-kicking her half to death during that entire card. I mean, during that entire fight. Now, I know you were upset at how King Reyna performed, but seeing the fact that Seeing the fact that Caitlin Young is coming off of a nearly four-year absence in MMA and she's basically mm-hmm. taking time to do Muay Thai kickboxing and be the matchmaker for Invicta, how do you think this win helps Caitlin Young improve? I mean, how do you think this win bodes well for her? I think it goes incredibly well for her. Um... You know, like you said, she hadn't fought in three and a half years, almost four. Um, and I also, it was, it was coming off three losses. Going into this fight... Um, well, actually, she was coming off of a four-fight, I mean, four-loss in five-fight streak. She okay. was 0-4-1 in her last five going in. Oh, okay, that's even, be- that's, that's even more impressive. Um, and especially because, you know, when I saw this fight, you know, I thought to myself, oh... King Reyna has to have this. King Reyna has to win this fight. Um, especially coming off the, the split decision loss that uh, King Reyna had with Cindy Dandois um, early, uh, uh, late last uh, December. Um, but in this fight, well, first of, all, first of all, the first thing I want to comment is that I saw that Reyna looked a lot lighter in this fight than she has previously. She looked like she lost about maybe 10 or 15 pounds. Um, just estimating. Did you uh, did you notice that at all? That she looks she looks smaller. I kind of noticed that, but I didn't really pay much attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's all I saw on this fight was Reyna trying to King Reyna trying to go for judo throws and trying to trying to get top position. I didn't see anything. I didn't see the King Reyna. That we saw fight Liddy Tapa, or fought Crystal Stokes, um, or fought Shayna Baszler, or, or fought Jazzy Gabbard. Exactly. I saw this was a Reina that that looked like she was only she she was trying to win with based on judo throws and getting top position. And I since I saw I saw a Reina that didn't. She has never been the best boxer, uh, stand-up fighter, but she's been competent enough that she can throw heavy, heavy shots. But she did not, she did not do anything of that sort in this fight. She was getting leg kicked, getting kicked in the face, getting out punched, and also at some time in in um. And, um, let's see, I th- I think I have, uh, let's see, I think it may have been the third round, where Reyna tried to go for a judo throw, but, um, she, uh, Young reversed the, the reversed it, and was able to get, get on top. I didn't, it's, you would think that this fight would, would be clearly King Reyna's to win. But honestly, she looked quite pitiful. She like she looked, she looked, 
she looked nothing like the Reina that I had seen previously fight. Even in the Cindy Danzois fight, this wasn't the same. This didn't look like the same Reina. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do am I? Am I? Was what do you think? Am I wrong in this? In in in, in saying this, what do you? Th- what are your thoughts? I mean, to be honest, I really think that. I mean, I really think that Reina just got outworked in this bout, like she did when it came down to the Cindy Dandrois fight. But even in that fight, she still looked. She still looked competitive against Cindy Dandrois. This one, she didn't look. It looked, you know, I know that she that part of her character is to be like, is to kind of have that devil may care attitude, you know, supposed to be, she's supposed to be cold, she's supposed to, she's supposed to like not care, you know, but she looked like she didn't prepare for this fight at all. Uh-huh. And that's why, like, when I, before, before we, we, we uh, started recording, I was telling you, I was very disappointed with her performance and this was actually one of the, one of the more disappointing fights um uh on uh for this uh on on the card for me and um yeah i i don't know what king ran does after this this is clear this fight this fight was i think was booked for king rain to win obviously and she didn't so now she's coming off two back-to-back losses decision losses um and this one not looking competitive at all, so what, I don't know what, sh- what what we do with her now, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure she's gonna probably go back to Deep Jewels, she's probably gonna go back and beat up some Korean Taverts, she's probably gonna go back and basically try and boost herself up to the point where she can actually feel you know, better about her career. But I really think that, you know, when it comes down to... I mean, I really think that in order for her to fight for Ryzen again, she's going to have to stop overestimating opponents because I think if I remember correctly, in the first... I mean, in the Ryzen press conference where it was announced that she was facing off against Caitlin Young, she was like, I... I mean, I looked at some video on her... I don't care about her. I don't care about anything or something like that. She basically overestimated her. But I also think that's part of her gimmick as well. I think that's part of her gimmick as well is to is to be like is to be this fighter who who's 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 uh, who has a devil may care attitude towards her opponents. Um, and in fact, actually, when I was watching this fight. Uh, you know, King Rain is one of those people who, you know, in the first round, she basically loses the first round in almost all of her fights. Um, at least in Ryzen, she, she's done that. And then when the second round comes around, that's when she gets into fight mode. I thought that was going to happen this time, but no. She never got into, uh, she never got into fight mode at all. She never got into, she never got, her, 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 it never clicked for her to, to get into, to become, to, uh, to, to have that fighter IQ, um, click, click inside 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 her mentally, uh, and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe she's take she's becoming her gimmick, uh, to the point of detriment, you know, 
like Manel Cape in his fight, you know, where, you know, the shit-talking Manel Cape, you know, shit-talking so much against Kaizakura that he, that, that, it, that causes him to lose the fights. You know, maybe she's, maybe she's becoming too much her character. I know it sounds so weird to be talking about this in MMA, because MMA is supposed, is obviously, is obviously real. It's not like wrestling, but I don't know. I feel like, I feel like she's, it's becoming, it's because her, 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 I I'm uh, her her introverted. I'm I'm cool. I'm I'm just I'm 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 devil. I've never made care attitude. Is almost becoming is becoming a is 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 becoming a detriment to her to her, her to her fighting and rising at least. It's against high high level opponents. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I am starting to think that you know. I mean, I'm starting to think maybe that she needs to improve a lot more. I really, I really think that she needs to improve. What do you think? Because if she's just, I mean, if she's just going to basically not care about her opponents, it's going to come back to bite her in the ass. Let's be real. Um. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, if there's one thing she needs to improve on, she needs to, she needs to start defending more. She, she never puts up her hands when she, whenever she's box, whenever she's standing up. She leaves us, and I, you know, also I know she's also at a height advantage, uh, disadvantage, excuse me, for her for her division. But she, you know, she's got to learn that you know, with that disadvantage, you know, she's gonna have to. She she has to, you know, especially when f- fighting tall taller fighters like uh, Caitlin Young, and I was, I think probably most of the time the fighters will be taller than her. She's gonna have to start. She's gonna have to start, you know, learning to be more defensive in her fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this exactly. is. She was not. She did not. Yeah, she. She did not. She looked like she was depending just on her judo and the and this in this match. And you know, I'm glad that the that you know that the that the that that her uh, that it was not you know that 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 Caitlin Young got uh, got judged on the on her uh, stand up and clearly the stand up uh, was much more impressive than uh, than than than. Uh, then King uh, Reyna's um, judo uh, uh, judo takedowns, and um, you know, you know, I'll, like put it this way, you know, if uh, if if I was Caitlin Young and I, and, you know, and I'm coming back to uh, America, okay, I got a book and I got a book uh, future uh, Invicta card, you know, and she's thinking about uh, fires have, you know, King Reyna's not one of those fires I'm thinking to have. Booked on the card. Mm-hmm. I mean, mostly because if you book King Reyna on an Invicta card, now you're basically losing your luster. Oh, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought there was a pretty yeah. Overall, you know, just you know, to keep uh, not not. I don't want to dwell on too many too many um too many um uh on this fight too too much longer. Yeah. Pitiful performance by Reyna. You know, she's got she's got to change up. You know, if, if that, you know, she's got to, you know, either start taking her opponents more seriously, um, maybe even change fight camps, I don't know. But she's got, she's got, she's got to change it up so, somehow. She, you know, if she goes into this in her next fight, you know, then she has the potential to go on a three fight losing streak in Ryzen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, I ain't got nothing else to say other than the fact that if Caitlin Young 
wants to continue fighting in, wants to continue to fight in MMA, that would be cool. But I just hope she realizes that she also has another job and booking fights for Ryzen and you know, I hope that doesn't become detrimental where she has way too many tell you where she has to do so much training that it'll put her right I mean that it'll put her in Victor career and booking fights in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know that's you know that's you know that was surprising when they announced uh, Caitlin Young as, as the uh, as as King, as King Reigns' opponent because I was just thinking, you know, what I kind of figured that Caitlin Young put, put was put uh put her MMA uh career behind her just 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 focusing on the matchmaking for Invicta. I didn't you know. I'm not. So, I don't know if if Ryzen get offered her a, uh, a a a sweet deal or something to, to come out of uh unofficial retirement, but you know nothing was indica- was indicating at all to me that came young after after the fight before this one was she was looking to continue an MMA career at all. Uh huh. So I'm you know um I'm not so sure you know it'd be interesting to hear the backstory on on her uh, coming back uh, after the, her last fight. Um, and I might and uh, cross my fingers. Might have the opportunity to ask her that. Wink, wink. Hey, I hope you get that opportunity. But for now, let's go ahead and talk about the rest of the fights on the card because from the point of Young Miura on, the rest of the fights, spoiler alert, all ended in finishing. Like, for example, this next fight, a welterweight clash, Kichi Strasa Kunimoto defeated deep, well, former deep welterweight champion Ryuichiro Sumimura via submission at an arm choke. I accidentally called it a Von Flu choke <laughs> in the MMA opinion blog, but still, Kichi Strasa Kunimoto defeated Ryuichiro Sumimura via head and arm choke at the very End of round one. Five minutes, round one. Yeah. In his post-fight speech, Kichi apologized for the finish that he did not get in his Rising debut, but he was going to get the finish regardless. He wants to fight again on New Year's Eve at Rising 14 as well. And, yeah, did I mention that he really loves cats? He wants everybody to start adopting some Nice little felines. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he certainly loves cats. He absolutely yeah. loves the loves cats. Um, so after that confusing review I just read, what were your thoughts about this fight? I mean, did you think it ended? I mean, do you think that it should have ended a little bit earlier than the end of round one? Well, based on uh, Kuni, uh on the fight that Kunimoto is. I kind of expected him to finish. Yeah, to finish the fight much earlier. Uh, that's not to take away any, anything away from Sumimura, um, who is a who is a great fighter himself. But I just think that uh, Strasser is on a different level, as uh, as some might say. Um, actually, as a uh, as Ghetto would say about uh, Kazuchika Okada in New Japan. Yeah, I think that Kunimoto is 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 on a uh, an incredible different different level than uh, Sumimura. So, but but n- nonetheless, uh, finishing a fight 
with one second left in the round is still very impressive. Um, and also, just to mention, there was no tap. Uh, he choked out uh, Sumimura uh, to unconsciousness. Um, and um, for him, you know, uh, the way that it happened, you know, they 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 were basically uh, what was it? It was a it was a scramble. Um, Oh, I, oh my God! I didn't even put it down any notes for this, but uh, basically it was really, it was really cool how how it happened. There, it looked like um, um, he had uh, he had um, from from what I remember, he had a uh, uh, Sumimura. Uh, uh, what do you call it? He had the uh, he was going for a rear naked, I think he was, and then um, he then uh, uh, Sumimura tried to get out of it, but then. Uh, got caught in the uh, head and arm choke, um, and um, unfortunately, you know, didn't have enough time to uh, to just survive that last that last second. But nonetheless, uh, Kichi Kunimoto, I think, looked pretty good in this in this match, um, and um, you know, I'm happy, you know, happy that he was able to get a finish. Um, yeah, I mean. I don't know what happens after this fight with Kunimoto. Uh, obviously, he will probably adopt more cats. But what? Um, I don't know who he fights next. Um, yeah, any thoughts on that? Uh, oh, you mean Kunimoto? Yes, Kunimoto. Oh, well, to be honest, he did say something about this quote that the upper weight class is rising, especially the welterweight division hopefully will mean something later on. I mean, to the point where there's actually some competition for him to be fighting. And to be honest, I don't know if there's any welterweight competition outside of Ryzen, outside of Deep, I mean, outside of Deep, or outside of Shudo that would be willing to fight him, at least not foreign competition. So I guess the thing for Ryzen to do is that they would need to try and like a bit of a talent search, so to speak, trying to find that opponent for Kunimoto, and in turn, I mean, in turn, trying to build up a division. Yeah, um, basically that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what else to honestly say about this fight. <laughs> There's really not that much else for me. Uh, for me to say, you know. Um, no thoughts on Sumimura. Um, he looked, he was a lesser fighter in my opinion. He didn't look too impressive against Kunimoto to me. Um, like I said, you know, Kunimoto's on an entirely different level than Sumimura. So, I don't, um, mm, I mean, would I have a problem with him coming back to Ryzen? No, not at all. Um, but, um, I don't know who you would match him up against, um, if he get if getting tapped out by like that, uh, by Kunimoto, you know, you obviously wouldn't want to have him to fight uh, Kitaoka, um, who I could easily see tapping Sumimura out. Um, hmm. Uh, yeah. For you know, I, I unfortunately I just don't have anything more to say about this fight. Oh yeah, um, Sumimura is actually. Pretty short for his division. Am I, is that correct? He's only about like 5'7", 5'8". Um, 
Yeah, I think so. Because uh, at least next to uh, Kichi, he looked very small. Mm-hmm. Very small. Um. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I could have a I could, I wish I could have a more extended take on this fight, but really, you know, nothing about this fight. You know, I predicted. You know, if I figured that uh, Kichi would win it, and he did. Um. Yeah, that's all I've got to say. Anything else? Anything that you want to say? No, I don't think there's anything for me to say else more. I mean, else shit. I don't think there's anything else for me to say about this fight other than the fact that if Kenshi wants a welterweight division, I hope Ryzen can give it to him. Yeah, well, a consistent welterweight division. Not, you know, 155ers going up to that division or anything. You know, have a little bit more of a consistent one. Um, and, uh, you know, if they, you know, they probably wouldn't be surprised, you know, if they have to to get more foreign fighters into that division, you know, you know, call, call, uh, mostly because of the fact that you got, I mean, mostly mostly because of the fact that from lightweight on up in Ryzen, you would have to get a bunch of foreign fighters just to, you know, compete. Heat alongside the Japanese fighters and make them feel good. Oh, exactly. I mean, it's especially how it was when it came down to the light heavyweight and heavyweight Grand Prix. Yes, it's so funny how how Ryzen's most most the the their, their division they're the most populous and divisions are one forty or, or I would say one thirty and under and above. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> not in between. There's not a lot, and especially you know, I, I would I, I was gonna say 145, but there really hasn't been a lot of 140 uh, 145 since uh, since Kawajiri and uh, and um, um, Kron Gracie um, haven't been around at all. So there's really there's really not a bit. It's not really that. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of focus on those divisions since. Uh-huh. And I'm sorry for the background noise. That's... I mean, my, I mean, my family is basically just having a good old time. But yeah, I get what you mean. They need to start stacking up the roster, not with, uh, not with mostly foreign fighters, not with mostly domestic fighters, but with a mix of the two. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean. Because I'm gonna, I mean, because we're gonna be talking about this whole expansion that they're gonna be doing at the end of the program, and I think it's gonna probably be vital for them to build up their roster with foreign fighters and domestic fighters as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, unless they want to basically do the same thing they've been doing for like the first few cards, whereas have fighters come over from the partner promotions. To, I mean, from the promotions that they were partnering up with and have them fight. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that would be really cool. Yeah, no, that would be. Uh, you know, but we'll talk about that more a little bit later on. Um, oh, okay. You want to go ahead and move on to the co-main events? Uh, yes, uh, yes, yes. Uh, and um, uh, we, we have a co-main event of two Japanese fighters. We have you at, at one hundred and thirty a one hundred thirty four pound fight. Uh, we yeah, have bantamweights. Bantamweights. Yuki Montoya 
the longtime deep fighting championship veteran, defeated cousin Masone, who was a veteran of Chudo. Yes. And a former Pacific Rim champion. Deep. Montoya defeated Sone via submission due to a sleeper choke. Two minutes and I mean four minutes and twenty six seconds of round number two. Mm-hmm. Even though Montoya came out to an Eminem theme, Lose Yourself, he did say that he wanted to know that even though he didn't take Sone's hype seriously, he fought well as a great, I mean, Sone fought well as a great representative of Shudo, and he's happy to have started his career in Nagoya and to get the win in Nagoya. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, uh, Deep versus Sh- Shuto. Uh, that was the big theme of this match. Um... Uh, big takeaway was, um, well, what I remember most about this was when, um, um, the, uh, uh, Motoya tried going for a submission on Sone, and Sone actually, he f- deliberately fell out of the ring. I don't remember what it was. Was, was it a, uh, was it a guillotine choke that he had? And, uh, that, 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 I think it was. Yeah, he, uh, Motoya tried going for, he tried going for like a million guillotines in this match. Um, and eventually one happened to, um. Uh, no, the the didn't wind didn't wind up happening at the, that he, uh, the guillotine uh tapped uh got uh got Sone but eventually uh, some a uh, choke did but regardless of that uh yeah Matoya tried going for a guillotine and Sone I don't, he threw himself out uh in between the ropes or outside the ring to get out of it I think he did to be honest and um there was some controversy uh <laughs> at least with um with uh. Trig and uh, Ferraro trying to figure out does that does that will they restart the the match in the middle and that for that position will uh, Sone get a yellow card but uh, no they just restarted um, they restarted the fight as, uh, as neutral in the um, in the middle of the ring and Matoya was pissed off about that he was not happy about that <laughs> of course he wasn't he probably wanted to think that. Sleep, he's probably wanted to sink that sleeper hold on Sony a little bit more, but mm-hmm. obviously didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know, um, yeah, even though uh, Matoya got the uh, got the win, you know, again, you know, I felt like one fighter was was light years behind, was light years ahead of the other fighter, and with uh-huh. uh, with uh, obviously with Matoya being uh an incredibly much more versatile fire than Sone. I, I, in my notes, basically, I don't have Sone, I, with anything, I just have Matoya basically controlling the entire fight for, for two rounds. Well, what are your, what were your thoughts, and, you know, obviously getting the win with the, with the choke at the end. What are your thoughts on this fight? Hey, I thought that Matoya was pretty dominant in his win. Yeah. And, of course, Seeing the fact that he is a former, uh, I mean, yeah, I understand Sony came in with more fighting experience, but Montoya came in with the overall, I mean, I think Montoya came in as the overall favorite, and I'm going to go straight into the topology votes, which is the first time we've done that this entire podcast, and the majority the vast majority almost voted unanimous on Tapology saying that Motoya was going to win that fight. 99% to 1%. <laughs> but, yeah, nobody gave Sony a snowball's chance in hell to win that fight. But to be honest, 
I mean, I think Sony. I mean, he did good as a representative of Shudo in this fight. And I think that if he does get a chance to do some more things for Ryzen, he'll probably get those opportunities down the line. But as far as Motoya goes, I mean, everybody knows he's a former champion. He's a former flyweight champion of two times, actually. But I think that Motoya is probably going to Fight a little more for deep, maybe fight for Ryzen, maybe fight back and forth between the two. But that choke that he put on Sone is probably going to get him a lot more Ryzen opportunities than deep. Um, also, it's important to mention uh, that Matoya has only had one loss, uh, is on a three fight win streak with his only loss in recent years. Coming to being at the hands of Kyochi Horiguchi, which was uh, I believe the openings of the um, of the uh, ban of that bantamweight tournament, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, so you know that tells you something when his only loss is to Kyochi Horiguchi, um, during, uh, within recent years, and he's won all of his fights. Uh, he hasn't lost other than that. Uh, since twenty since twenty thirteen, December twenty second, twenty thirteen, he has won all of his fights except for that one. That is incredibly uh, fucking impressive. So well, except for that Horiguchi fight. Yes, and yes. that Felipe Efrain fight that was a no contest. Okay. Oh, besides that, uh, but I have looks. Ah, I have that. Uh. Oh yeah, Efren missed weight for that match, so that's why yep. it never it was the first fighter to miss weight in Ryzen history. Mm-hmm. Um, but barring that, with his only official loss being the Kyochi Horiguchi, that is mm-hmm. that tell that that is an impressive pedigree uh, of fighters that he has defeated. Um, now, um. Bar, what do you think about having this as a co-main event match? Do you think this was a viable... Do you think this fight was a good co-main event to have? As opposed to maybe... On paper, on paper going into that fight, I thought, eh, I really didn't think nothing of it. But as the fight progressed and as the fight happened, I was pretty interested. I mean, I was pretty impressed with what I saw. I thought it was a strange. I thought I thought it was a strange fight to have as a co-main event. I kind I figured that maybe King Reyna would be the main would be the co-main, um, but but I was just surprised that 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 this fight was chosen as the co-main event. I'm not so sure why. Um, it was just a, it was just, it just seems like an odd. I mean. I, like with the compared to with the previous card, you know, Kyochi Horiguchi and and Hiromasa Okikubo. Okay, that makes sense. Why it's a co-main? Yeah, you have your you have the one one of your biggest fighters uh, rematching um, a someone who he previously lost. Uh, pre- oh, sorry, not previously lost. You have you have someone who he previously fought in a rematch, um, and it's Kyochi Horiguchi. Kyochi Horiguchi. So makes sense to have him in a co-main or main. Uh, but in that case, the co-main. I was just, I, I was just thinking, like, what was, what in this, what made, because the co-main is supposed to be the fight that 
everybody looks forward to before the main. And I'm just thinking, is was Yuki Matoya versus Kazuma Sone a match that everybody was looking was a match that everybody was looking forward to before the co-main? I don't know. I felt like this was just an odd match to have as a co-main. It didn't. It doesn't scream to me co-main events match. Does that make any sense at all? What I'm saying. Yeah, I think I think you're making a lot of sense with that. It didn't really feel like a co-main event until it actually happened. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it just it. I don't know. It it felt like this fight should what should have happened earlier, but it didn't for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, another question I have is: Do you think that they'll put either one of these fighters? It, uh, as poss- possibly in that kickboxing tournament? Uh, I don't think so, because of the fact that Yuki Motoya did not really do too well in that last kickboxing Grand Prix he was in, the first one, actually. What was, uh, what was that, uh, what was that, uh, tournament? Uh, who did he fight, uh, in that one? Uh, let me check. Da-da-da. I mean, because I know that <laughs> it was a four-man tournament that he was in. I mean, it featured him, Yamato. I mean, it featured him. I mean, it featured him, Yamato Fujita, and the Pancras strawweight champion, Misa Sanabe. <laughs> I'm trying to look it up myself because uh, uh, I can't remember who we uh, can't remember who we fought. Um, uh, because I know this is basically like taking up a lot of time trying to do this, but well, yeah, basically, well, I mean, basically, what I was saying was he basic. Uh, basically, what I was saying was that he fought in. The Rising Kickboxing Tournament of last year, and I think he fought against Sanabe, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was. I think it was. Um, uh. Because I know that Tenshin Asukawa ended up fighting Yamato Fujita. I mean, my goodness, our minds are just simply drawing a blank here when it comes down to this. Well, here's the, you know, I, I'm still, I'm still jet lags. It's, it's, I'm still, like, my brain is still in Japan mode. <laughs> I understand, I understand, but you're going to probably get plenty of sleep tonight, I hope. Oh, I hope so, too. <laughs> oh, wait, are you sure that he was in the, was he, was he in the tournament? Hmm? I, are you sure that he was in the tournament? Because... I looked up Tsunabe versus uh, Matoya, and I don't uh, don't see him uh, in that tour, uh that coming up. Oh, well, damn. Let me go ahead and... I mean, because I am trying to check it out, and I'm seeing it right now. <coughs> oh, shit. Well, while... while let me see. Uh, oh no! Actually, he didn't say. I mean, actually, actually, Yamato Fuji. I mean, shit, Andy. 
Oh, that's what I was. That's what I thought originally. Because I was like, was he or maybe he was? I I couldn't remember myself, but uh. He wasn't. Believe me, he wasn't. Okay. Well, barring that, you know. Now, I think that, does that change your, uh, the answer to the question at all? Would they maybe have Yuki Matoya give him a shot at a kick at, at the tournament? Yes, that changed my answer, and I think that the Matoya is not going to be in the tournament. Granted, okay. obviously, he, I mean, I think he probably wants to stick with MMA for now, but to be honest, if they do manage to put him in that tournament, I wouldn't mind seeing how well he does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But as far as the kickboxing tournament is concerned, no, I don't think that Montoya will be in it. Who do you think? Would, what do you think would be a good opponent for him uh, uh, in MMA going forward for Ryzen? Uh, to be honest, I really don't know. I just, I mean, it all depends on who Ryzen picks for him. I mean, because I don't know any top flyweights that would be willing to fight for Ryzen off the bat. I just think that Montoya would probably need to be hopeful that Ryzen doesn't pick him. I mean, that Ryzen doesn't give him a gimme match, pretty much. Uh, do you think that maybe... Uh, f- well, hold on. Does he normally fight at flyweight? Or does he uh, also... F- yes, he-, he fights at flyweight. Okay. Um... Well, he, uh, being that this fight was at Bantamweight, you think maybe he'll stick with Bantamweight for Ryzen, maybe, going forward? He, I think he probably will, to be honest with you. Uh, how about uh, Ogikubo, Hiromasa Ogikubo? Uh, I just hope that he'll end. I mean, if Ogikubo ends up fighting some more, that'll be fine, but I just hope that he'll get a chance to fight more often. Um... Yeah, you know, I, I, personally, you know, that's the only fight I could come up with. You know, I don't think, you know, I don't think rematching him against Horiguchi will will result in any difference in outcome. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the only fight I can really think of when I um, when I think of uh, if you want whatever you want to do with Matoya. What about Sone? Mm-hmm. What about what do you do with him? I just hope Sone can continue to improve, whether it be in Shuno Rising or wherever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm basically, you know, same same thoughts, same thoughts. Um, and speaking speak of improvement, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that in the main event, which, you know, go right into it, Christian. Okay, it's time for the main event. <laughs> Sorry, got my OS, I mean, I'm basically going into OSW review mode. <laughs> but, yeah, the main event was Luis Killer Gustavo, another prodigy of Vondelay, the Axe Murderer Silva, versus Yusuke Yachi, a guy who was basically building himself up as one of the top lighter weight stars to come out of Japan. And, of course, the night did not really end well for Yachi, the crazy B prospect, as he got knocked out with a right hook. He got knocked out with a right hook, right cross, actually. Two minutes, 30 seconds into round number two, up in Gustavo's already undefeated record to 9-0 and and down in Yachi to 20-7. and In his post-fight speech, which was translated from Portuguese to Japanese, and then 
retranslated from Japanese to English for me, like for people like me to hear. Gustavo said he promises he will become a world champion. He will be practicing harder every day and all that. And he wanted to thank his team at Evolucal Tide, which features Vondale Silva, Andre Dida Amade, and the Japanese fans for believing in him. First of all, before we even get off into Gustavo, what did you think of Yusuke Yachi losing this fight after so much effort that he put in to building himself up, up I mean, building himself up to this point? Well, I'm going to get to that in a, in a second. I just would like to point out first, this originally was not supposed to be Yusuke Yachi versus Luis Gustavo. Originally was supposed it was to be... originally supposed to be Yusuke Yachi versus Bruno Carvajal. Mm-hmm. Got injured. And I believe that uh Wanderlei swooped in and was and and uh picked uh Gustavo who is a training partner of Cavado to uh take over the fight. I believe that was the story behind it, right? Mm-hmm. It was. And uh Wanderlei was in uh was in Gustavo's corner. Um and uh I just wanna also point out that uh when I watch this match you know, like I said, I didn't look up anything about the matches beforehand to avoid spoilers. As soon as Gustavo came out, I was I was thinking, this guy looks small for a lightweight. And then they mentioned on commentary, oh, he normally fights a featherweight, and I was like, oh shit. He's gonna he's gonna get it he's gonna get the shit kicked out of him being at a, being at, at at this size advantage disadvantage. And well, I could not be have more wrong because size advantage be damned, he knocked out Yachi flat on his face. Um, yeah, and uh, he did knock out Yachi. what uh, going back to your question about Yachi, you know, um, I watched the Rising Confessions video that they had, um, that they uh, Rising Confessions 18, where they did a profile on Yachi, and basically they were more or less doing the comparisons between Yachi and uh, Kid Yamamoto. Basically saying that he was going to be, basically more or less implying that he's the kid Yamamoto of the modern era. Yachi is. And, well, this loss does not do Yachi any, 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 any favors, nor did the way that he fought during this match. I saw a Yachi that was not the same Yachi that fought Diego Nunes, that did not fight Gomi, did not def- that did not fight... Uh, Mario Sismundo did not did not did not fight again. There was this Yachi uh, who that knocked out, that uh, knocked out uh, Crookshank, knocked out Kitaoka. This was not the same Yachi. I saw a very tentative Yachi in this fight. Who also, you know, sorry, but he needs to cut his hair. I don't know if that was a factor in him getting knocked out, but the fact that he kept on playing with his hair to get out of his face, that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> Only one person can get away with that. That's Clay Guida. Oh, yeah, because he has that long, flowing hair. Yes, exactly. Um, and all, but, but, you know, what happened, it looked like uh, he had, it looked like Yashi had his hair uh, tied back, um, maybe in braids, um, or I don't know what, what, that, what that style is, to prevent his hair from going into his face. But then as the fight went on, I think I don't know what just happened, but his hair got uh, untangled and just started going to his face, uh, into his uh, into uh, uh, his 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 eyeline sight, and um, 
It was this was not an impressive before. Even you know, even if, if he even the feet, you know, you can say a fight. Like I'll say this: when Hiromasa uh, Ogikubo fought Kyoji Horiguchi, even the feet, you know what? I said, you know what? This guy came here to win. This guy looked like he was he was going to get himself killed uh, to have to lose this to lose this match. And um, but in this fight, I saw a very tentative Yachi who was who was almost hesitant to fight. Who are the really to really go after his opponent, and that's not how Yachi has been in all of his previous matches. Um, what do you think about Yachi in this fight? I thought he disappointed. I mean, I thought he was disappointing. To be honest with you, I really think that he didn't. I mean, I really think that he just played around too much, and. You know what they say, it's all fun and games till somebody gets hurt. Well, Yachi got hurt badly in that fight. Be- incredibly badly. And, you know, this is, you know, especially with the way that Ryzen has been building him up. Listen, this this was, again, just like with the King Reina match, this was a fight that, that Yachi was clearly supposed to win. And Stevie Wonder could even see that. So, <laughs> w- w- to have him lose against uh, Luis Gustavo... In this match, does not do him. It, it, it does not do him or Ryzen any any favors going forward. Um, I don't know what Yachi does after this. I'm I'm totally drawn on a blank of who who do you have you have this who do you have who do you want going forward? Where where does he go now? I don't know. I honestly don't know the answer to that question. What do you think? What what do we have? What when Yachi is booked for the next Rising show? What do you think he you do after that? What do you what do you think you do for that show? And to be honest, I really don't know. But like I said before, when it comes down to these upcoming predictions, I just hope that Yachi doesn't get a damn pushover fight. I really hope that he doesn't. I really hope that he doesn't get a gimme fight. He just gets a nice little tune up just so that he can get back to where he needs to be, because even though this loss was devastating, what would be even more devastating is if he ends up getting a gimme fight, and that fighter ends up beating him too. Well, um, if you want to talk about a possible future matchup, um, one th- what recent, uh, you probably heard that uh, UFC released the uh, lightweight fighter Gil- Gleason Tebow um, mm. in a slew of... Uh, and sue of about I think over a dozen uh, releases, um, he happened to be one of them. And um, what do you um, do? You think that maybe will that be a a, a, a good enough matchup to have uh, with the uh, against Yachi, or is is out too high level? Will that be will that be uh, putting Yachi in a in a in a bad predicament? Well, I do think that T is too high level of a fighter to face off against somebody like Yachi because T-Bound was just coming off uh, probably if not the most UFC fights on record then one of the most lengthy UFC careers in record and I don't think that they would be, I mean I don't think that Ryzen would easily be wanting to throw Yachi to the wolves and have him fight somebody who just came off of a extremely long run inside the octagon. 
I mean, even though T-Bow wants, I mean, even though T-Bow wants to fight on one-fight deals with other promotions around the world, just to remain as much of a free agent as possible, at least that's what I heard from MMA fighting Skihimi Cruz. But still, I don't think that Ryzen's going to throw Yachi in to face T-Bow when he just got off of a loss. And when T-Bow himself just got off of, I think, a slew of losses yes. more recently. Nope, nope, you're right. Yeah, it was a slew of losses. Um... I think it was four or five. I don't know the exact number. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't. You know, I expected Yashi to win this fight, and now that he doesn't, it's kind, it kind of throws a little wrenches in the machine of of Yachi as a uh, as a future main eventer, um, and uh, you know, won the poster boys for Ryzen. Uh, I don't know who you who do you. Who you haven't fight against? Because you know, like you said, you know, it's, you know, you can't, you know, you put up against a, uh, a, uh, a a can. You know, you're not doing him any favors. But if you film against somebody who's too high level and he has the risk of losing again, and you know, uh, that's that's not something you want to do. You already had King Reigns already lost uh, two her two, two rising uh, back to, two back to back rising fights, uh, and uh, her stock. It will go down. I know that they say in Japan, you know, and they mentioned this on commentary, they, the fans don't care if you lose as long as you put up a good fight. But the problem is that I don't think that, y- that Yachi even put up a good fight in this one. Hello? Did I lose you, Christian? I'm still here, Andrew. Oh, okay, good. So, okay, sorry. Um... Yeah, I don't know what you know. I don't know what you do. Who who he fights next, or you know, he certainly won't be. I don't think he'll be main eventing the next card uh, that he's on. Maybe co-main, but I don't think he'll be main eventing. And that's very disappointing, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, he'll probably be mid card at least, but I think he'll probably be. In a feature fight. For oh yeah, Ryzen. definitely feature fight. Again, so if he does get a chance to fight for Ryzen again, that is. Oh, he'll. I think he'll definitely fight for Ryzen, but it's just it. You know, it was just a disappointing. You know, even the even when he got defeated, you know, I can't even say to myself, you know what, he he put up a good fight, and you know, he 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 came into that fight, you know, with the with the with the hope of winning. I just he. I don't know why he just seemed very tentative and very very. Overly cautious against uh, Gustavo. Um, Gustavo, on the other hand, hey, you know what? If you want to have him fight, uh, fight in uh, a featherweight, hey, you just got another featherweight guy um, to add to your uh, to your division. Uh, and you know what? That's just what I was about to get into because the one question I have to ask is: We all know that Gustavo is a beast, but what do you think would be the ideal weight class for him to fight in? Featherweight or lightweight? Um, I just want to also add to uh, him being a beast. He has finished all nine of his fights, either in the first or second mm-hmm. round. That is incredibly mm-hmm. impressive. Um, but regarding weight class, huh, I would say 145 featherweight just to be safe. Um, 
But, you know, for a guy that was undersized in this match, and actually didn't, I think if I remember correctly, he even took down, he even was able to take down Yachi with no issues at all um, in this match. I would, I would always err on the side of caution to have him fight uh, at the fight at the weight division that he normally fights at. If they put him in another light lightweight fight and he again finishes it uh, in spectacular fashion, you know what? Then I'll just say, you know what? Keep him lightweight. You know, maybe you know he won't have to do disgusting weight cuts to uh, make one forty five. Maybe he could just fight around more near his natural weight if that's what he would like to do. But, you know, I would say for the next fight, 145, um, in my personal opinion, I would like to see him fight at 145. I feel like there will be a lot more competition there as well compared to 155 uh, in Ryzen. Yeah, I see that. But I don't think that the best weight class for him would probably be, if not featherweight. His natural weight class, I think I wouldn't mind seeing him fight a few more times at lightweight. That would be really cool of them to do. But again, you know, I, 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 you know let's see, I, I'm trying to think, you know, you could, I, he would he would be the undersized guy, but, you know, him against Darren Crookshank or um, Kitawoka, um, I don't know, uh, Diego Brandau? Have uh, have two featherweight uh, fighters fight fight at lightweight. Get uh get Brando in there uh, if he doesn't fight uh Gomi like he likes to uh like he wants to um yeah um yeah I, I would have no... sorry go ahead sure are you sure you want to see Gustavo are you sure you want to see Gustavo versus Brando that fight might not even make the first two minutes let alone the all three rounds yeah uh well you know. Judging, you know, from how, what uh, Brandel did in his last match, um, and what uh, Gustavo did in this match, and w- what his record says, you know, I wouldn't say that Brandel could e- easily win that. You know, I would, it would, it would seem like a pretty even killed fight. Um, it's, you know, it's very interesting, you know, where to see how what they do with Gustavo. Um, Going uh going forward, if they use him at all, which I hope they still continue to use him, I think I think he's a a top prospect. That uh, if Ryzen doesn't sign to more fights, I can definitely see him being scooped up by a Bellator or UFC. Um, at, with if if he continues on this uh undefeated if he continues on this spectacular undefeated streak. <laughs> But, yeah, that was Ryzen 12. The next fight card will be Ryzen 13 in Saitama on September 30th. And before we, you know, close out the book with some comments about this expansion, what were your, now that you've actually seen the fight card, what were your overall thoughts about it? Uh, Ryzen 12? Yeah. Well, From what you've seen. Yeah. Um, again, you know, it's, uh, I thought that, I thought most of, most of the fights were good, um, but in terms of, of, I guess, you know, I'm still partially spoiled by that Ryzen 11 card, it just, you know, a lot of the fights, you know, for me, the, the fights were, they, they either, they ranged from excellent to, 
oh, this guy, you know, one guy is so clearly better than the other that this fight shouldn't have happened. Um, in the case of, like, the Murata Magana fight. But, uh, mm-hmm. but if you want to ask me what my, what my fight of the night was, uh, my fight night was honestly Rocky Martinez versus Last Samurai Mark Hunt. I, that, I thought that was an incredibly exciting match from, as, as, from the get-go. And for the uh, performance of the night, you know, Luis Gustavo, got to give it to him. You know, going to that fight on, on the short notice and being the underweight fighter, uh, small fighter, knocking Yachi out the way he did, that was incredibly impressive uh, along with uh, uh, Mikaru, uh, Mikuru, sorry, I keep on calling Mikaru, Mikuru Azakura with that uh, knocking out Hyoki in spectacular fashion. Um, did you have a fight of the night and uh, performance of the of the nights uh, for fighters? Well, to be honest, I have. I mean, my submission of the night would obviously go to Kanaka Murata over Angela Trash Majesty Magana. Mostly, I mean, not because of the fact that she won via Von, via Von Lucho, but because of the fact that, according to Sherdog, her win was obviously historic because I think. Not only is she the first ever woman to win via Von Flucho, she's the first ever Japanese women's MMA fighter to win via Von Flucho. So if Marata can keep making history like that, I would love to see her fight more. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think the kickboxing bout of the night for me would be easily Naito defeating Hashimoto via leg kicks. That oh, was yes. a pretty... That was a really good way to show that you belong in Ryzen, and I think if he decides to get picked up for this kickboxing Grand Prix, he's going to mean a lot to a lot of people. The knockout of the night, obviously, Luis Gustavo was a beast, and he's going to be a name going forward, especially if he has Ronda Silva and Andre Dita aside him. I mean, aside from him, and I think my performance of the night goes to Caitlin Young over Raina Miura because she basically, I mean, she basically just dominated Miura's legs with those kicks simultaneously throughout the damn fight, and I think that if Young, I mean, I think that if Young is making her way back to MMA, this was a pretty good way to return to the sport you once had an impact in. Especially considering the fact that not too many people talked about Caitlin Young being a former Bulldog Fight Hook and Shoot tournament winner. But, yeah, this is a woman who defeated a young Misha Tate before all the fame she had. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Caitlin Young back in active competition just as long as she realizes that she also has another job doing Invicta fight, I mean, booking fights for Invicta, and I hope she doesn't lose focus in one and focus more on the other. Well, like I said, you know, why why, why I still give it a, uh, this, this car, this, this show overall, uh, middle, thumbs in the middle, because I'll bring up the, the, the Caitlin Young, uh, King Reina fight, you know, I, I'm, I'm very happy that Caitlin Young won, but it seemed she won I don't know if she won because King Reyna didn't prepare or if Caitlin Young was a better fighter. That's a question I that that's the problem I have with that match is that I don't know which is wh- what was it. 
in the Kanaka of Murata and Magana, obviously Murata won because she's a better fighter. That's that's queer. That's queer in in present. But well, I don't know. What do you, uh, like with y- y- y'all? By by all accounts, King Reina should have won that young match, but she didn't. And I don't know why. If that's because Ka- she just didn't do her homework, or because Kaylin Young is just a better fighter. Um. Along, and, and again, you know, I, as I mentioned before, Kaido in his kickboxing match compared to what his performance was previously in the Ryzen 11, you know, that wasn't the same fighter as well that I saw. Um, I just, you know, I, this, that fight, that fight I saw at Ryzen 11 coming out one day's notice, went in there, went in there of a mission and, and, and accomplished that mission, knocking out his opponent with, with, with a knee to the fucking face. And and that didn't happen for whatever reason in this match, uh, in his match with Sho Ogawa. Uh, and just continuing on, you know, again, Yachi, as we just talked about, Yachi. So, uh, overall, the reason why I give this thumbs and middle is because I don't feel like, I feel like the fighters that should have delivered, or at least should have, should have, should have had memorable performances, didn't do, didn't do such. And they, they were outclassed by fighters that maybe shouldn't have outclassed them. Or they shouldn't have been matched against. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. You know, you know like the all, with the exception of one fight, uh, and we know what that fight was at Ryzen Eleven. All the matches mm-hmm. were competitive. They were they they were exciting. It could be oh, mm-hmm. you know, it, uh, it felt like it felt like any either person could win. Even if one fighter was better than the other, you know, look at the Miyu Yamamoto match that happened against uh, Sugiyama. Sugiyama should have won that fight, but Miyu, Miyu went to that fight with a mission to 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 make a statement, and but Sugiyama did as well. Sugiyama did as well, but she came out of she came out losing. Um, yeah, it's just I felt I felt like the 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 match the matchmaking for this card was didn't. Didn't live up to the hype, in my personal opinion. It wasn't a bad show. It wasn't a bad show. We had some great finishes, um, but it just uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just spoiled by Ryzen Eleven. I keep on saying that. Maybe that's that's the case. You know, uh, that I still have. I still have that fre- that card fresh in my mind, and that's why I haven't. Uh, that's why I'm I'm having uh, middling thoughts about this about this card overall. Mm-hmm. Um, do, well, do you have a question as well. Do you think that there was, they had four kickboxing matches on this card. Do you think that was too many? Should they have less? Had less? Actually, uh, I mean, actually they had five kickboxing belts on this Oh, I'm card. sorry. Yes, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Five. Excuse me. Yeah. But, I mean, to be quite honest with you, <laughs> sorry about that, but to be quite honest, I think that... It'll only be a matter of time before, you know, the kickboxing bouts start taking precedent because they do have, they do have the rising kickboxing grand becoming up. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that they're going to start, like, doing kickboxing shows right away. I mean, unless they want to go full bono with it and just, you know, make it a primary focus. Do you think do you think it's possible that Ryzen will eventually have a Ryzen kickboxing division and then a Ryzen MMA division? I think they probably will. They're voyeuristic about it, but to be quite honest, I don't know if they should 
think about doing that right now because they got so much to work with their MMA. I mean, they got so much to work with their MMA style. I mean, with the MMA aspect of it. No, no, I agree. I still, you know, they're still, they're still a young organization, um, uh-huh. and they still need to develop. You know what they want, what they want to set forth going forward. Um, and especially, you know, with the amount of shows that they're having, I think 28 this year, this is the mo- they they're having the most amount of shows they've had so far as a promotion. You know, are they going to what? How, what are they going to do with shows going forward? They're going to have more shows. In 2019, are they going to start doing a show every month? Uh, you know, they still have a lot of things to figure out as a promotion. Um, and what, uh, not only for fights, booking fights, but also for what they want to do for their, yeah, for, for weight divisions and for contracting fighters and who, and um, potentially uh, partnering up with other organizations. Which, um, you want to get into that? Because that, that's, a, that's a very, I think that's a, something important to talk about as well, regarding um, other promotions being involved with Ryzen. I, uh, you want to start off with that? Uh, yeah, and I'm actually, I'm looking at an article right now that's talking about that expansion to, I mean, I'm, I'm basically looking at an article right now that's basically talking about it, that... Nobuyuki Sakaki Barra, the Ryzen head honcho, would like to see Ryzen expand to have three types of shows next year. Large, medium, and small. Four big tentpole shows, four medium shows, which would be like what we just had with the 5,000 seats at the Nagoya Aichi Prefectural Gymnasium, and monthly small shows, which they would probably need with the help of Deep and Shudo. I mean, is I wouldn't mind. Do you mean, think, um... I kind of think it would be a little bit oversaturation when it comes down to that, but to be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing more Ryzen, especially if the other product that everybody keeps talking about, the one that, ends with, that starts with a U and ends with a C, F in the middle. <laughs> I mean... Especially if that product ends up getting saturated and Bellator puts all their fights on Dijon, I think we're going to probably start seeing more Rise and Fight Federation bouts to come, and I think they'll probably be good to the last drop, as they all say. Um, I don't know. I'm mixed on, on having... The uh, on expanding right now, and I know that earlier and around December they were even talking about having shows in China and potentially USA. Um, yeah, potentially one in the U.S., probably in Hawaii. Really, Hawaii? I kind of figured either California or La- or Las Vegas. Uh, I don't think they would. I don't think they would want to show in. Los Angeles or Las Vegas because if they end up having a show out in California or Nevada, we all know the athletic commissions over in those states will probably do everything they can to screw up that show. Hmm. Um, it's interesting, Hawaii. Um, honestly, if, if if between Hawaii and China, I'd rather have them take a take a risk in China because at least China has a has a. More, I don't know what oh, I don't know what exactly the Hawaii commissions, uh, what their what their track record is. Uh, 
Um, if it's good. I, mean, I know you probably mean that, but they haven't had a show. I mean, they haven't had a serious urge for MMA since the old Super Bowl promotion that used to be out there. Yeah, actually, now I remember. Isn't Max Holloway is even trying to get UFC to come to Hawaii? So there hasn't been yeah no you just remi- yeah that just remind me that that Max Holloway who's from Hawaii is is wants there to be a, a UFC show in Hawaii so yeah you know you're right Super Bowl if that's going that's going back fucking that's a long ass time I uh, know it basically goes back to the mid two thousands Jesus I mean even though they had like one K one event which was a World Grand Prix card at the Blythdale Center. And a Pancrase show not too long ago, also at the Blaisdell Center on the campus of the University of Hawaii at Honolulu. Uh, you know, I just don't want Ryzen to bite off more they can chew. You know, you got mm-hmm. you got to do when it comes to expand to expansion. Um, it you know I mean well let me just let me just let me just uh, keep it within expansion in Japan. I don't, you know, I've, I don't, I've, I don't, you know, I'm going to even say expansion internationally, expansion, expansion in Japan. I think they can't, they, they, they shouldn't uh, dip, they've dipped, they're dipping their toes in the water right now, and I think that's good, uh, for, like, in terms of what they're doing in Japan so far. But having any more shows, you know, first of all, you know, that means they got to get a bigger roster. They're gonna have to start uh, scouting a lot more fighters, not only in Japan but internationally. They're, you know, you're, you know, obviously with more fights, you know, with more fight cars, you know, you're gonna have to start. You have to start signing fighters to more, uh, to more contracts. You know, I, I, I don't know uh, to more fight to having more of uh, per, uh, per fight contracts. So. Um, and that's one thing also that they should learn to do because we don't need a, uh, you know, if if you know if you don't do that, then you're gonna have what Andy Sauer did and you know go to one one SC, who who will sure surely offer fighters more money. Um, uh, and if there's any, that's the, you know that's the thing is that are they are they, do they want to do more expansion because they they because they they are trying. One of the, you know the big one of the big things that came out is that one FC is trying to get into Japan, and I wonder if this expansion is maybe uh, a an a um a a retort or an answer to what to one FC coming into Japan. Do you think that the two are at all connected? Uh, to be honest, I think they might be considering the fact that you had one FC sign all these Japanese fighters. In addition to Andy Sauer, who spent much of his fighting career in Japan, and basically is not going to be, I mean, unless he wants to do MMA, he's probably not going to be given the chance to right away. He's probably going to be signed for the Super Series. But to be quite honest, I think this is in a way connected because while 1FC wants to basically come into Japan and South Korea, they are going to be realizing right off the bat that, oh, no, no, no. This is rising territory. This is Road FC territory. You're not going to come into our house and take over our turf without putting up a fight first. Mm-hmm. 
Oh no, I agree, and that's why I asked. You know, that's why I asked questions. It was almost too much of a coincidence that that they that they're announcing expansion when One FC as well is announcing expansion, and um, but you know, like you said, if they're going to do that, they're going to have to you know do a lot, uh, uh, have a lot more team team up with a lot more promotions like Deep and uh, and uh, Shuto, probably Pancreas as well. Um, and even the... And they're going to have to basically help co-promote with... They're going to have to help co-promote with Rise, Kickboxing, and Bellator, mm-hmm. and Jungle Fight, and all those promotions. Yeah, um, so, you know, I mean, they... I would... Based on that, I don't, I don't know if they... It's not, It almost sounds like a knee-jerk reaction to, to, to expand just because of one FC. So, and that can be, that can be really bad. You know, I don't know how well you, one FC is going to draw when they go to Japan, um, where they're going to, where they're going to be doing their shows. Um, but clearly one, I know that one FC has a lot of money behind them. Um, I don't know if Ryzen has as much money, I'm going to guess probably not, but, you know, I, you know, I don't, I think that trying to expand at, at that, at that fast of a rate, I don't know if that's a really smart thing to do. I really don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not too, uh, I'm not too positive about that. What do you think? All I know is all, all I know is that it's all going to boil down to... Ryzen's next event on September 30th and possibly the New Year's Eve card on Monday morning, December 31st. And it's all going to have to boil down to 1FC's big fight card in Bangkok, Thailand, when it got WBC World Boxing Flyweight Champion Sri Sarketso Rungvasai in the main event. Those three events ton of profit, especially seeing the fact that Road FC also got an upcoming event this weekend, even though it's not much we're talking about. But seeing the fact that Ryzen and Road I mean Ryzen and Win FC got as much to give and I mean got as much to gain and not enough to lose. I mean if they end up turning a profit with even one of those three upcoming events, respectively I mean, I think we probably might be seeing a little beef between Road FC, I mean, One FC and Ryzen in 2019. Mm-hmm. But first things first, those upcoming events that each one of those promotions have, they're gonna have to turn a profit. Yeah, um, and you know, I have to say this. You know, I think that One FC, out of all those, One FC, they can afford to lose uh, to 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 to. They can afford the loss, the financial loss, if that want, if they wind up not drawing well. I don't know if if Ryzen could, or cer- certainly not One FC. Definitely, I know that. Definitely know that One FC couldn't. But you know, I, it's yeah. They, the, I don't. I, I don't. I think you know financially probably out of the, out of those three. Uh, I think that One FC probably can afford uh, to. To not make a profit that w- were to wind up happening, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, you know, you know, it's it's 
it's best, you know, that I don't think that Ryzen, you know, tr you know, I think it's more, more they should wait to see what happens with 1SC. I know it sucks that, that they're signing, signing a whole bunch of fighters, you know, obviously that's, that's, that's not good for Ryzen or Road FC, um, or any other Japanese promotion, but you kind of, you kind of, you know, don't, you know, you don't want to you know, you don't want to book all these shows and then, you know, suddenly, you know, if, if these shows don't draw at all, then, you know, you're more, you're, you're worse off in the tank than you were doing what you were doing before. And, you know, I don't want, you know, I don't want to hear, you know, uh, Ryzen, you know, having to cut fighters or not renew contracts or cut shows because they decided to have a bunch, they decided to have a bunch more shows that didn't, uh, five or six shows, um, that didn't, that didn't draw as much due to, uh, oversaturation. And that's what can happen is over, you risk oversaturation, um, with, uh, if you decide to have that, if you decide to have that many, uh, fight cards, uh, within a year. I mean, we're going to see with one promotion in America that begins with the letter U, ends with C, middle letter, initial F. There is there is so much oversaturation in, in with with UFC that the only cards that honestly matter are the cards that have either Connor or uh, one of the uh, heavyweights uh, like uh -huh. Daniel Cormier or Brock Lesnar. Um, the none of the the other car you know for the most part though the the cards um don't feel special anymore and don't don't have that uniqueness to them and you know one of the things about Ryzen I like I like is that every card feels unique and you know that's it's gonna that's gonna be lost if they continue to have if they book too many shows. You have any thoughts on that? You have any thoughts on that? I mean to be honest. The only thought I'm basically going to close out with, if, I mean, I think all it comes down to is who's going to have the stellar fight cards and who's going to have the stellar fighters between 1FC and Ryzen, because if Ryzen ends up having the stellar fighters, but not the stellar fight cards, compared to 1FC having stellar fight cards but not the stellar fighters, things are going to get confusing when it comes down to those events that both promotions will have. But I think that the only way that both of these two, I mean, that both of these two promotions will actually mean something is if they have stellar fighters and stellar fight cards because I think that the only way for us to truly get our minds off the UFC's machine, is that we're basically going to have to, I mean, we, as the fans, we're basically going to have to see if they're going to put on the more stellar, I mean, if both promotions are going to have to put on great fighters and great fight cards for us to watch. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, stellar fight cards, um, and this this is kind of uh, a little bit going to rise in 13, um, I don't think it was, was, it was Sakaki Barra, uh, but some 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 rising executive said that apparently uh, that the September 30th card was going to be their biggest card. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I kind of heard about it, but in all honesty, I think it's probably going to mean 
that thing can possibly Grand Prix will start on that date. But uh, also, but also um, that that car, the car is also significant in that um, that it's going to have the debut of of a former sumo fighter um, by the name of Osunarashi. Mm-hmm. And r- rumor, uh, apparently, it's either I don't know if it's a confirmed fact or a strong rumor. But his possible opponent for that for his debut might be the legendary former IWGP heavyweight champion Bob Sap. Bob the Big Sap. Bob Sapu. Oh Lord! I mean, I think that fight's already been made official. Oh. Unfortunately. I have a lot of mixed feelings about that, but let's, I mean, let's save all of that. Let's marinate on that, so to speak. Let's wait until we do the Ryzen 13 review, which I think will be next month, or around the time the fight card will be completed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hopefully, and hopefully they don't wait until the, until the week of to, uh, to decide uh, the, all the matches. Like they did with Rise of Eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right, right. But still, though, I, I mean, I have a lot of bad thoughts about that fight, but all I'm going to say for now is that if Osunarashi runs over Bob Sapp, I think it's time for Sapp to just hang up the gloves and stick to Pachinko machines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you, uh, if, if you want to, if you ask me, you should have hung them up Years ago, Bob Sapp, but I guess uh, I guess somebody must who who's there must love watching his fights because he still gets booked in Japan. Um, uh, uh, I'm sure it's just in Japan, but just regularly uh, in other countries to uh, to uh, perform in uh, in, uh, in fighting combat sports for some reason. Mm-hmm. I get what you mean. But yes, there will be a Ryzen 13 preview show as soon as the entire fight car is announced. And hopefully that will be sooner rather than later. Um, and um, right now... Um, Let's go ahead and close it out. Exactly, exactly. You want, uh, do you want to give out your social media and all that stuff, Christian? Oh, yeah. I mean, if y'all want to follow me, y'all can find me on Twitter at ChrisGary92. As far as Focus Fights is concerned, we cover combat sports events and prospects from all over the globe as the MMA scenes of Japan, the U.S., the U.K., Russia, South Korea, and other countries around the world will be emphasized. You can follow them. You mean, you can follow Focus Fights on Twitter at FocusFights. You can search for them on YouTube. I'm pretty sure we have a channel. We haven't given out the full URL yet. Or you can just check our website out at FocusFights.com. Andrew. Yes? Ah, yes. Our social media. Well, you can follow Ryzen on Twitter at WeAreRyzenPod. Uh, and we that's where we post up all the shows, the links to the shows, any news related to Ryzen, and other assorted MMA um, thoughts and and uh, uh, discussions. As well, you can 
listen to us not only on SoundCloud, but also on Stitcher. And currently right now trying to get on iTunes, which will hopefully happen by the end of this month. Uh, just got to work on some things. Uh, and uh, we will hopefully get on iTunes re- sooner rather than later. If you want to send a question, comment, criticism, or anything of that sort, you can send it to Podcast at gmail.com. As well, if you want to follow my personal Twitter, which I have no idea why anybody will want to, you can follow me at uh, at abenja1. Uh, I just will warn you though, if you hate wrestling talk, then you are going to hate my Twitter. So I'm just that is a warning as of now. Um, but uh, other than that, um, I think that's all we had to say about Ryzen uh, for this show. Any other last thoughts? Christian? Well, all I know is we have desperately reached the three-hour plateau. Mm-hmm. And unlike certain television programs or programs in general, we know when we reach our limit. So to quote a famous professional wrestler and now, I mean, to quote a famous professional wrestling announcer, that was great. I'm sorry, I just had to get my inner Tony Schiavone voice out, even though I know he probably hates that shit. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't know. Well, yeah, you can go ahead and close out the episode. I promise I won't try and do the Lenny Hart accent, even though I messed that up. <laughs> no, no problem, no problem. Uh, thank you to everyone who listens. We will be, we'll have the Rise and Review show sometime uh, before the Rise and Thir- uh, uh, show, 13 show on September 30th. We'll hopefully have some also interviews uh, and some other programs to keep uh, people uh, people's, people's ears busy. And just appreciate everybody who listens, who tunes in, listens, who interacts with us every day on Twitter and email and all that sorts is always appreciated, no matter if it's positive or negative. Uh, thank you, everybody who listens, and I hope you all have a great day. Christian, you take care now. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Andrew, and to all of you, thank you for giving us the opportunity to enjoy some facts, some fights, and some fun. We're glad you're a part of all of fandom, and we are thankful for you checking out. I mean, we are thankful to all of you for checking out. So we are Rise in Podcast. Take care, everybody. And remember, I said, now this is where you play the graphic, Andrew. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, the graphic. Yes. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Take care. Good night, everybody.